I wanted to ask you about like the awkward party Wojak. Did you repopularize that or were you just like memeing yourself? So you can't do something that relies on someone else. You can't do something that is too easy to be like, oh, what if I'm bugging so-and-so to help me do this video this week? You got to get that out of your head. Maybe I wanted to be late to work. Maybe I wanted to get yelled at. Maybe I wanted to get pushed up against this wall to a point where my only option was to let go of the job and go headfirst into YouTube. I feel like that comes from bad writing. You write stuff purposely vague with no hidden meaning, and therefore you don't have the foresight to be able to see how this could be interpreted. If you want to make change with these things and all you really have is the virality and the noise that you can make on Twitter, like annoying as it is, you really do got to treat it like it's the end of the world. What do you think of the memes of 2020? Is this better or worse than previous years? Hey, welcome to The Create Unknown. I am Kevin Lieber. This is the home of Make Something mean something. We are live on Discord right now with all sorts of folks. In the chat, we have our patrons, we have our dumpster crew, our $2 tots, our infantry, our illustrious baby gang. We are here every Wednesday night because Wednesday night is TCU night. As always, I'm here with Matthew Tabor, who's going to tell you a little bit about our guest. If you consider yourself a person of culture, a discriminating connoisseur of the internet, you will wake up, check Twitter, and see a Morning Gamers tweet from Sumeto Media. He's a sort of Michelin-starred chef of the meme, one of those personalities who can cook up something topical with his own unique spin or evaluate the others expertly in a way that's just a cut above what you can do. His meme-saturated humor and internet culture commentary shows up on YouTube's This Week in Memes, Twitch streams, Twitter, and on his Spodcast. With the year's biggest gaming title having come out about a week ago, this is Cyberpunk 2077. Sumeto, what do you think about the game's customizable penis options? <laughs> Thank you so much for that introduction. And honestly, I don't think it's enough regular and large are you joking do you many do you understand how many different penises there exist just in my well, memory banks there's at least three more it's absurd they really cheaped out in the weirdest places what would you have done differently then if, I, just, and, and I assume this is a sort of dream job for somebody who who has content like yours like if you could be the full-time penis customizer for a company <laughs> <laughs> a gaming company wouldn't you wouldn't you consider that a dream job I mean, I don't know if I'd consider it a dream job, but I feel like with my wheelhouse of expertise, I could have implemented a better system for customized penises. I, I really, because here's the thing, they already have the technology for you to take a picture of your face in any NBA game and then you become one of the players. Why not just transfer that over? The game's already rated M. Send a dick pic That's to true. Cyberpunk 2077 on Snapchat. And then your penis becomes your characteristic. Oh. We have the technology. Like, you see what I, they dropped the ball, dude. <laughs> so you, oh, that's interesting. You think that you should be able to have your own ported into the game with seamlessly. I feel like if you're going to take the time to make marketing material on your million follower social media, like you got to come in guns blazing, you know? 
You can't just give me a slider that only slides between two options. What is this, Oblivion? Like, come on, man. <laughs> Skyrim had more choices. Um, here's, here's where I'm at. So I, I've also been playing the game and uh, was really excited to, to see what the options were. And if we're just going to get straight to it, there are two main penis options, right? So you have circumcised or uncircumcised, but there's only like one vagina option. And there That's are true. there really are two distinct vagina types, any and Audi. Why right. was that oh. not represented? I, if I was a, a female player <laughs> of cyberpunk, at the very least, you should have had two vagina options. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I, I feel like not having the same number of options between the traditionally male and female genitalia was just why just why even put it in? Why even make it a thing? You know what I mean? Like, imagine if. We made a video game where, you know, it's like a podcast simulator and we make a huge deal about you being able to pick whatever kind of haircut you want in your avatar as you host this podcast in this video game. And your options are between like blonde and dreadlocks. And that's it. <laughs> it's like you guys didn't even really cover the spectrum with this thing that you took the time to put in here, man. This is odd. I've got a question for both of you as somebody who hasn't played this game, who's unlikely to play this game anytime soon. In terms of the gameplay, how often do you see your genitalia? Like, like what's happening in this game so that you would see that level of detail on your character's nude body? How does this come up? I think it's one of those things where, you know, it's 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 like the dragons in Skyrim, right? It's not something that you're going to bump into every single time you boot up the game. But it's one of those things that when you do bump into that experience, <laughs> you really want it to be memorable. You know what I mean? If you're okay. playing through Skyrim and you bump into a dragon and it's just sort of like derping around, it hasn't turned hostile because the AI hasn't noticed you and you got to kind of poke it with a stick before it flies up in the air and does all its dragon stuff. You'd be like, this is what what is this even? This, this isn't a dragon. This is a disappointment. I haven't reached a point in cyberpunk where I've seen my own penis outside of going out of my way to stare at my own penis. <laughs> but when I do bump into a cutscene where somebody's like, hey, whip it out. This is how you progress in this mission. I'm, I'm going to be excited. Is there a Fusro Da equivalent <laughs> in cyberpunk? <laughs> they, they, could, they could, you know, add some kind of DLC there where you have some sort of really dramatic moment such as, uh, such as that from Skyrim. Yeah, you, you can only use it once every 45 minutes real time, though. <laughs> the last time I was into games, and I, I've mentioned this too many times on, on the podcast, I was a, a subscriber of Nintendo Power Magazine, okay? It's been a while. Mm, sure. You guys are talking about, about seeing wieners in games, about choosing wiener features, about dragons flying around and, and being you know better than the last thing. And like, I, I just remember... Super Mario Brothers 2 being panned because it it was like junky on graphics. Like that's the area. It's, it's so weird to hear you guys talk about this kind of detail uh, about, yeah, about this game and everybody's doing it. You know, my Twitter feed has obviously been filled with cyberpunk stuff. Does that, does that add to or generate any fatigue for you guys as game players? I think if I wasn't a Twitch streamer and sort of felt obligated to to play this and experience it for what it is rather than sort of how it's perceived then maybe i would think twice about throwing my last 60 dollars at a game that might not be what it's been hyped up to be in my head but 
experiencing the game has been playing the game has been one entirely different experience than like uh perceiving what the game is if i were to only take a look at how social media is talking about it online because if you if you don't play the game and i feel like most of the people who are sort of ragging on it really aggressively probably haven't dropped into the game because while it definitely is buggy like it feels like you installed the game wrong really is what it feels like it feels like you get an hour into it and it's like mm, i must have moved a file somewhere it shouldn't have been because these cars are weightless and this guy's hand is in the <laughs> back of his head none of this seems right <laughs> But then once you start, you know, shooting stuff and you start like you want to compare it to like Grand Theft Auto 5, but like you can actually go into the buildings and you can actually customize certain stuff. And it's like, oh, yeah, this is like a slight improvement over this game that's drained hundreds of hours of my life from seven years ago. I mean, that alone makes it a better use of my time now. Matt, or at least that's that's how I look at it. What 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 is the name of those? Is it 4chan that has those memes of really embarrassing stories? Oh, green text. Yeah, green that's text, what it's and uh, that is 4chan. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think this. Yeah, this morning's morning gamers was a green text, wasn't it? Okay, green it text usually is. I, I yeah. want to <laughs> see. There's got to be. Maybe it ha hasn't happened yet, but some sort of uh, green text story of somebody uh, booting up the game for the first time with you know a perspective partner or with their parents or something in the room and then can getting to the the genital options uh, oh absolutely because that's so it's so weird matt when you were talking about like how games were and i'm thinking of you know like my parents watching me play sega genesis or whatever i can't imagine how awkward that situation would be not knowing that that was a thing because unless you're you're in the memes unless you're on you know permanently online like we are and we know the the meme of the genital options and you're just playing the game for the first time you're just creating your character like any other game choosing their hairstyle and you know altering their nose and then all of a sudden you get to the bottom yeah um, there's no way that that hasn't produced some extremely awkward situations <laughs> no you're absolutely right i well, i would it's i would bet money it has it's M for mature for a reason. It's M for multiple penis options. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mortal Kombat 1 yep. was M for mature. <laughs> and, you know, like, like yeah, by the, today's standards, it was like absolutely nothing. We need more letters. Yeah. Insane. <laughs> but, um, but speaking of memes, I wanted to ask you about the, um, what do you call it? Like the awkward party Wojak? What you, oh, what they do don't know, or I wish I was home is the original one. Yeah, yeah. Did you? I watched. I watched your video talking about that. Did you repopularize that, or were you just uh, like memeing yourself? I I wish I had that power, dude. Holy shit! I I definitely <laughs> see why you could say that because um, when I have examples of memes that I know are, I guess I should. So to explain a little bit, I don't script most things in my videos. Um, for the most part, I, I rely pretty heavily on the knowledge that I gain from just browsing social media and experiencing it organically versus taking a look at either other people's videos or written articles on something like knowyourmeme.com that likes to sort of archive how these memes come about, progress, and what new variations there are. And I do that because I think I have a better grip of doing comedy and sort of being this very low-budget talk show TV host. Uh, improvisationally than I do oh Jesus than I do if I sort of scripted everything um so if I know that I'm going to do something ahead of time and I'm talking like 24 48 hours I'll ping my discord server 
and I'll go, hey, I'm doing cyberpunk memes. I think Bill Cosby did something stupid. And then whatever Ninja's been bitching about on Twitter. If you guys have any examples of any of that, drop it in this channel. And naturally, a lot of them will be just making fun of me in one way or another. So sort of as a byproduct of the way that I farm and harvest the memes that I then produce for these videos, a, a lot of them end up with my face in it. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, because I, I, I heard that you said it was an old meme. I didn't know it before. I've just seen it pop up all the time now. And um, I think it's I think it's very funny. It's very relatable. Uh, yeah, the original having been meme, that person, <laughs> just yeah, being the, awkward at a party. The original meme is literally just that. It's just woke, or I think the doomer specifically sitting in a corner of a room, and all it says is "I wish I was home right now." In the corner of a party, I mean, and all it says is "I wish I was home right now." And I cannot, I can't think of a situation where I've been out of my house where that hasn't been my first thought, like an hour into the event. I've I've been at a nightclub, I've been at a strip club, I've been at a party that was relatively enjoyable. And every time it's like, dude, I've got like there's t internet at home. Like, what am I doing here? I hate this. <laughs> why, that why did I leave the house feeling? Yeah, it's unnecessary. I guess it's not unnecessary, <laughs> but it's like I feel like you really have to have like a sense of escapism to not want to be at your computer. Like, have you guys tried the internet? Like, there's a lot of stuff on there, dude. Like, you you get lost <laughs> on that thing. Is that just a personality thing, though? Yeah, like, like an introversion thing. I mean, I know that they always say that you know extroverts get antsy and they get bored and they get depressed when they don't have uh, the ability to socialize. And it sounds like you're the opposite of that. But I feel like I, I don't know if socialize is the word you want to use for like that specific situation, because like right now we're being extroverted, right? You and I are in a podcast that's going to be seen and heard by thousands of people. You know, we want our ideas broadcasted and to be able to hear people respond to that. And even if you're the type of pretty person who wants to go out to a club with your friends, right? You don't want to necessarily have a conversation with anybody there, right? Oh, plenty I've, I've of been people do. Yeah, man, that's what they do. You just do you not know any extroverts. I, it, it's possible. Talk. The answer to that question is no. That, that's, def <laughs> that's definitely possible. <laughs> but like I've even been like in a line to get into a bar and there have been no more than eight people in that line. And I've been like, I hope I don't bump into any of you guys. You guys all seem too excited for what's about to be obnoxiously loud music and overpriced drinks. Like, why am I here? Oh, well, man. I, I have a question that I want to ask you, but I, I've, it requires me to inflate your ego first. And I don't I don't really want to do that. I'm not. I don't want to go taking down that road. compliments either. So, I mean, go for it. And then if you don't okay. knock me down a peg, I'll knock me down a peg. OK, so so I've known you a little while, probably a year now. Right. Yeah. And no, no, six months, six months. Come on. Has it been? No, no, no. It's been. More. I'm, I'm knocking me down been, a peg. That probably wasn't the right place. Sorry. Oh, go I on. see. Okay. I'll say I've been a patron uh, longer than six months. Um, oh, yeah. But uh, yeah. So like, you know, I, I know who you are and, and kind of how you think about stuff. And anybody who's just listening to you now for the first time can tell that you're thoughtful. You consider what you're saying. You're an intelligent guy. Uh, you're extremely creative. All of this stuff. Okay. How with all of all of these creative qualities uh, and you know kind of the, the subset of mind related things that could take you in any direction how do you wind up with memes that's that's really what what i want to know here is you could have gone any direction you're pretty much pointed toward memes how so i so i have to give a little bit of sort of maybe like my beginning story of getting started on youtube and stuff i feel like that's the best way to answer this question 
Um, so I was working at an electronics store and I hated going to college, basically. I'm like, okay. you know, showing up to class like once every four months to take a test or something. And it's like, I just didn't enjoy it because like I was in community college for uh, like five years bouncing between trying to do an engineering degree and working full time. And okay. combina- that was my question is what we were studying there. Yeah, electrical engineering. And okay, after cool. three years of community college, I had done two years worth of credits. Um, but I got rejected from the school I wanted to get into because engineering requirements, um, as I'm sure you guys are familiar, are, are quite difficult uh, as somebody who isn't naturally skilled in maths. That, that is far from my strong suit. Um, so three years turned into three and a half years. And then I applied again and I got rejected again. And at that point, it was like, OK, I'm not doing well here. Like, I'm not going to get an A in advanced or applied calculus or whatever it was like i'm just not it took me i flunked the first time i got to see the second time i'm not going to get an a the third time and this go well for me so i switched from electrical engineering to computer science which is still technically in the engineering school but for the sake of transferring it's a general credit so the bar is way lower and then i get accepted and so i go in as an engineer and i have to take calc 2 right whatever the next class is and obviously yep. I was like, there's no fucking way I'm going to do this right. And now the class has cost me like $3,500 to take twice. And, you know, as with any transfer, they were like, hey, yeah, so you took, you know, the freshman and sophomore year courses, but like only six year per the percent of them actually count. You took a Java class that doesn't have C++. So you also have to take this class in the summer so that you get your C++ credit. Um, basically, in order to become a junior at the school, you're going to have to take another year and a half of credits. So I was looking at having been in college and taking classes for the better part of six years to to become a junior. And at that point, I was like, this this isn't this isn't fun. Even if I do finish this, I'm going to have a degree in either computer science or computer engineering if I if I really go the extra mile. And then I'm like the IT guy making, you know, anime jokes at the water cooler at a firm like this. This doesn't seem like a good (laughs) end goal for me. Um, So I was like, so I got to start doing YouTube. At this point, I had uploaded something like 100 videos over the course of eight years. Some of them were just no edited Minecraft Let's Plays. Some of them were more thoughtful, um, like laptop and technology reviews. Since I worked at the equivalent of like a Best Buy, I managed to talk one of my nicer managers into letting me, um, you know, borrow like a piece of equipment that a customer had returned. And then so long as I brought it back by the end of the day, it was still an inventory. And they had like all sorts of paperwork that was like, you know, to check something out. So I had a bit of an in. I was like, cool, I can get expensive laptops and cameras that I wouldn't be able to buy otherwise, borrow it for a day, make a little review. I could be the next Austin Evans. Who knows? Didn't work out that way, naturally. Um, so I was like, I was doing that. Well, and it be- I want to stop you real quick. In a way, it did work out because we just had Austin Evans on a couple of weeks ago and now we have you on. That's true. So, that's, yeah, that's why clearly, I said him like, instead of literally- MKBHD. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're literally one of the next after Austin Evans. That's true. <laughs> hey, we're um, gonna get we're gonna get Marquez on the show when he stops hanging out with Obama for two seconds. I, <laughs> I, 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 saw I that. just saw that. <laughs> yes. Um, um. So I bumped into a bunch of roadblocks. So my manager, who was nice enough to let me borrow stuff, um, moved to Ohio. He got a promotion, became like the head manager at a different store, and the head manager in my store hated me. It's partially because I didn't do a great job at work and I'd show up several hours late, several days out of the week. But I think maybe he just didn't enjoy the fact that I was young and trying to make something out of myself is what I would tell myself as I clocked in late for the third time that week. And then (laughs) I also simultaneously had a side channel that's yet to see the light of day where me and my buddy would just do you know, just like lazy vlogger content. 
we'd buy all the Halloween candy at a Target and taste test it and be like, oh, we're going to go fucking viral. That didn't work out. <laughs> but between my buddy not always being available to record and me not always being able to do hardware, I was like, okay, if I want to do YouTube, I have to be able to upload every week. Like just as a contingency to myself in order to keep me from being lazy. I was Casey Neistatting myself, right? He did okay, daily yeah. vlogs in order to get the laziness and excuses out of his life. I wanted to do the same. So I was like, so you can't do something that relies on someone else. You can't do something that is too easy to be like, oh, what if I'm bugging so-and-so to help me do this video this week? You got to get that out of your head. And you can't do videos that rely on hardware or like you have to be able to sit at your computer Sunday night if somehow you're busy six days out of the week and put out a piece of content that somebody's going to find entertaining and watchable Monday morning. Like, so I was like, okay, so what can I do? That's nothing but me and my resources. And so I bounced between the idea of doing music reviews. And at this point, PewDiePie's meme review was at the height of its popularity. So I was like, or meme reviews, because I was like, while PewDiePie does a good job with meme reviews in that he reviews the memes, I don't feel like he does a very good job at sort of um, opening the door like unhooking the velvet rope to let you into the exclusive club of enjoying the meme. I, this is kind of hard to describe, but I felt like at that point in time, if you watched one of PewDiePie's videos and you learned about a meme from one of his videos, you still felt like an outsider because he would he would show all these memes, explain the meme, and then explain why he hated the meme. And then before you even get a chance to really enjoy it, you already feel like, oh, I missed out on that. And I felt like there was a piece of that where you could instead be like, hey, here's what the meme is. Here's what I enjoy about it. And then just leave it open ended to the point of like, I haven't seen all of them. You haven't seen all of them. Nobody's seen all of them. Let's go find them together sort of thing. So I took that sort of mentality, added my own knowledge. Like I specifically looked at memes that I felt like I had a knowledge of in either the origin of this meme was from way too long ago. There's no fucking way you were looking at the small 60 subscriber subreddit where this meme started, but I had, because I had no fucking life, so I knew exactly where it came from. I'd seen the anime. I'd seen the movies. I've played the video game. Trust me, I'll give you the backstory on this. And then from there, it's uh, it, it just vibed with my personality too well. It, I did that for three videos a week for like six months straight at a period of time. And aside from losing a bunch of sleep and being tired all the time, I never got tired of doing the actual content, um, which I would do when I was doing like Minecraft Let's Plays or technology video, like doing B-roll on a laptop. You can be the most tech nerdy guy in the world. Like that is boring fucking work, dude. Like that is not satisfying <laughs> to do. That's kind of similar, Kevin, to you talking about how uh, like your your internship and like the desk job you had after that and just just not really feeling it right yeah 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 it's fascinating because i do think you know not everybody has the same story obviously but uh, of how they kind of ended up doing youtube but it's definitely uh a type you know and i am definitely the same type <laughs> whatever that type is i don't know what you call it but um yeah i, I had i also tried to do I don't know, for lack of a better term, a normal job where you go nine to five and, you know, you work your way up the corporate ladder. And it was horrible for me. I felt like I was dying. Like it, it's such a weird exaggeration to, to say that, but I literally, I kept having to go to the bathroom. <laughs> like I was like physiologically ill 
there, which is did, sounds did it make so you ridiculous. Number one, number two, or both? Number what, one. What type of? No, no, no. It was number one. I just kept feeling feeling this insatiable urge to pee, and I didn't have to go. Um, number two, number two is only like, for vloggers, Matt. <laughs> I mean, I think when most people feel stress, it's like intestinal stress, like that. Like, like you got you got like piss anxiety from this job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. Yeah, huh. I kept, I probably went to the bathroom every, uh, probably every half an hour. Um, Whoa! I was gonna That's say serious. that physical um, sickness caused by like emotional distress is very much a real thing. Pissing yeah. every half hour, you should you should see a doctor. But it, that <laughs> that is real. That is not, and it's not an exaggeration. I don't think to say that you felt like you were dying. Like I remember the the first few weeks after feeling like I had some traction. And I think this is after I rec I recorded my first collaboration with the Internet Historian. There's a huge gap between me recording mm -hmm. it and it actually going out. But I remember that days where I would just sort of make up excuses to not do something like it doesn't need to be do a video in one sitting. But if you're not even scrolling through Twitter, trying to experience what everybody's excited about that week to try and get into the know of what would make for a good recapping video that week. Like I felt sick, like I felt bummed out, like really sad that, you know, I would take times to sort of, uh, you know, romanticize the idea of what happens if it all works out and you get to do this for a living. But then I hadn't put any work towards it. And it's like, well, that's the only thing that's going to push you forward is to take that step out of your comfort zone into the danger zone, you know, and try and pursue this thing. Because that, that's the only way to do it. This sort of stuff doesn't fall in your lap. You don't. You might get a random promotion. You might get a random job opportunity that projects you forward in the business world. But you know, outside of Jennifer Lawrence getting scouted from a random photographer in the middle of New York and then ending up in the Hunger Games, <laughs> like you don't end up in creative roles unless you show that you're a creative person and willing to put in the that work. Really, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, willing to do it, <laughs> kind of for free, honestly. Um, until eventually someone is willing to pay you for it. That that seems to be the case more often than not. But yeah, I just felt like a clown, like wearing my like khakis and polo shirt and going in there and pretending like I wanted to live that that way. And 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 it was a great job, you know, in air quotes to everybody else and to most people. I get it, but I would have rather and I did just go back to working in like smelly kitchens and restaurants and like hauling slop buckets around at clubs. I liked that so much more because, <laughs> right. uh, you know, I don't know. There, there were no expectations of how I was supposed to look and how I was supposed to act. And it was just a lot less pressure. And um, those those jobs gave me the freedom to, uh, to, to, like you said, work on creative projects outside of work and I don't know. It just all fell into place that way. Other, otherwise, it felt like this hamster wheel um, that was just going nowhere for me. Yeah. Am I am I right, uh, Sumero, that you that you're a full timer now? Did you didn't you make that switch pretty end recently? Of, end of January. End of January. So I was. Oh, okay. I was sort of. I don't know. Like I was in a position. It's two things. So I was in a position where between YouTube and Twitch. I was just about making enough money to go full time. And this is hitting with working. Sorry. Oh, I said hitting the knot. Yeah, 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 exactly. Very close. And 
I remember, I think, Sean Cannell on the Video Influencers YouTube channel uh, gave, I don't know what the basis for this is, but he said, if you're looking to switch full-time, if you're looking to quit your day job to do online content creation, you want to try to be making 30% of however much money you need in order to be able to survive in a month. So if it takes you a thousand bucks to pay all your bills, um, if you can make $300 from doing YouTube, then that's probably a point where you're safe to quit your job. Have a savings, Ooh. obviously. But if you can make... Can you tell me how the math works on this? So the idea is because that if you can where make... where does the other 700 come from? So the idea is that if you can make 30% of your income from YouTube specifically, let's say, and that's after working 40 hours a week, being exhausted, and then doing that in your spare time, you should very easily be able to transition into making 100% of your income without okay. that daytime obligation. Instead, having all the energy in the world, you know, let's say doubling, tripling your productivity, being able to do better quality videos or also do a podcast or also do collaborations, which you just straight up couldn't before. Um, sure. Th I still think 30% is ambitious. And I think that definitely does come with having a safety net of maybe six months of savings left over. But you could very yeah. quickly switch over. So looking at it that way, I was like, well, if I'm making 100% of the amount that I want and it's, you know, November, December, my biggest concern was that January hits you know, the holiday pay goes away, the ad rates drop a ton, and now suddenly I'm making 10% of what I actually need, I'd be fearful. But what I did and what you're referring to is I told my manager one day as he was, you know, complaining that I had shown up two hours late for work yet again, because I was recording all night the night before. I was like, listen, you asked if we should look to find someone else to replace me. And I think you guys should find someone else to replace me. Like, I'm not putting in my official two weeks notice. I am willing to hang out for as long as it takes for you guys to find someone to come in, learn everything that I know, I'll teach them everything, and then they can fully replace me and we can do a smooth transition. But between my foreseeable future and after this acquisition with this other big company, like I'm, I'm not going to be hanging out here. And that was less of a move of, I feel confident enough to go full time. I have all this money saved up. I can do this, which I sort of do, sort of don't. It was just much more of a I mean, I, I'm I'm going to get fired at some point. Like, this is the fourth time I've come in several <laughs> hours late to work. Like, I have to do something to relieve this pressure. So it's kind of like getting kicked into the deep end when I'm, like, sitting there with my floaties worried if I'm actually going to be able to keep my head above the water. But I feel like, in a way, like, you know, I could take melatonin. I could have not finished recording. I could have gone to sleep at midnight. But me staying up until 6 a.m., I could say it was because I want to be dedicated and make sure I got a video up Monday, as I have done for the last two years. Or maybe I wanted to be late to work. Maybe I wanted to get yelled at. Maybe I wanted to get pushed up against this wall to a point where my only option was to let go of the job and go headfirst into YouTube. And I'm, I'm not 100% sure that wasn't what I was subconsciously doing. How long did you end up staying? Was it another two weeks? Was it another month? How long I'm was still the transition? There, oh. this, was, this was maybe a month ago. As of today, we've had another talk about an acquisition from another company. So my manager gave me a proper follow-up call yesterday. And he was like, listen, we have other opportunities. Like if you want to go into social media marketing, like this bigger company will open up different job opportunities. I was like, no, fuck that. Find a guy, get him over, replace me. I don't want to be here any later than the end of January. So <laughs> at the end of January, 100%, I'm going to be done to with the day job. He's trying to find you a new job in the company. And you're like, please I, don't. It's uh. not like I don't feel like an <laughs> asshole. But like you said, I'm it, if YouTube was not something that was not even in my wheelhouse, if it was something I enjoyed doing, but I didn't feasibly look at it as something that could replace my day job. This job's the dream job for me. I'm building computers and like circuit boards and controller boxes while watching anime on my phone nine hours a day. 
for like engineer grade pay as a kid who didn't go to engineering school. Like this is yeah. the dream job for Samet leaving the Best Buy job and finding this out of nowhere. And yet still the bar's set too high. I don't value getting paid a ton of money or working with computers and pretending like I'm this big computer nerd and having the chops to back it up. Like that doesn't excite me anymore. What excites me is being able to look back on something that I made from the ground up and going, yeah, that's a respectable piece of thing. And that's not fully built computers anymore. That's not laser boxes anymore. It's very satirical shitposty videos. It's just not meaningful. It's, I mean, it doesn't have my name on it. You know, like I, I don't want to give away the name of the company, but effectively the software that my company designs is the software that Elon Musk uses in Neuralink. Whoa. Like it's a big yeah, so thing. That's, that's high end stuff then. Yeah. The thing that we're getting absorbed by is a big company and it's all biosciencey stuff. I work on a research facility where they have like rats and fish and they're literally bouncing lasers off of the neurons of these animals in order to study reproduction, how cancer affects them, how they can do repairs and how they can go through soft tissue without doing damage to soft tissue and what have you. It's cool, cool stuff. And I'm literally building the controller boxes that the lasers bump into, the computers that power them, everything but the lasers themselves. I mean, I'm not crazy, but like what what you could feasibly learn by watching YouTube videos, I know inside and out. And that would be a dream job for somebody who's like really into that. But I feel like if I was a real engineer, I wouldn't even be excited in that role because those those computers don't have my name on it. That software wasn't designed by me. Nobody's going to, you know, plug that stuff in when uh you know a Nobel Peace Prize and be like, damn, that kid who put the thermal paste on this really knows what he's doing. God damn it. Like, no, nobody gives a shit about what I do. Right. And I feel like it might be different if like I was one of the lead engineers or if I was one of the lead software techs or something. And I'm not there, but I am in my YouTube videos, right? I'm the writer. I'm the director. If somehow one of these wins an award, my name would be on it. So it's a legacy thing. I can't, sorry, I was zoning out there thinking that you're working for the company that's going to invent Penis 3. <laughs> oh, bro, I wish. I wouldn't leave if I did. <laughs> and they, if they named it after you, then you would stay. Penis Media? Yeah, I'd be down. Hell yeah. <laughs> but it's it's just this nagging feeling that you have of of not leaving a mark is it, is it can it be boiled down to that absolutely i mean in in my head like sort of the the big driving force behind me and the things that i do aside from like feeling like i do have some whether they be things that i've learned over the years or maybe something i was naturally born with i do have some talents that i feel like would just be completely wasted going into an engineering job i remember my chef in high school when i was taking a culinary class told me the same thing where he was like, you know, you're like a really out there kid. Like, I think you'd be happy in a kitchen, but doesn't that seem kind of small for you? And I was like, I, I didn't really get what he meant at the time because I'd always be sort of, you know, like the class clown making jokes. And like, he'd be like asking like why it is that muffins and cupcakes were different. And I'd know the answer. And he'd be like, you know, like you don't just know that because you're really into like cooking. You're not just naturally gifted at culinary. Like you're somebody who absorbs knowledge like you're telling me you know all this stuff you actually make like nobody watches a bunch of the cooking channel and then knows how to make muffins like that's not how that works you typically fuck it up until you get it right like you're somebody who sort of absorbs knowledge and that kind of gets wasted in a kitchen where they mostly just want you to be a machine doing the same thing over and over again mm -hmm. i ended up not going into culinary because culinary school is really fucking expensive and nobody respects it kind of like the same way they do film school it's like big chefs will always be like no 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 you don't need to go to culinary school that's like how they look down on it but like i look back at like him saying that and going, oh, I guess this is kind of what he means is I don't want to be in a in a place where I'm just doing one thing and then never really getting recognized for it.
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had a big affinity for. Um, I can't imagine you guys aren't at least kind of fans of Futurama. Yeah, yeah, sure. And I don't know what it is about that show that I idolize so much, but like I just feel like they characterize like what good comedy is in a way that I feel like just gets lost in the void of the internet. Like when Futurama makes fun of something, they're not doing it from this sort of dismissive, oh, this is stupid. I don't understand it. I'm going to be with the cool hive mind of this is different. Get out of here. I'm going to dismiss this and I'm hilarious because this thing is stupid because who would want something different, right? We've got the status quo. No, Futurama, when they make fun of something, they understand it really, really well. They know it inside and out so that when they make a joke about Bender changing genders to win the Olympics in the female role, like it doesn't come off as tremendously offensive because they're doing it from a point of like understanding and love and true satire poking fun of it in a way that makes you like introspective of, oh, yeah, I guess that is an interesting standpoint of this and then working in sci-fi and everything and the rest. And I feel like to to get to that point of really being funny, of being more than just pointing and laughing at something, but instead being able to like provide this sort of insight and making like even the people that you're making fun of see the humor in what you're saying, I feel like is something you got to strive for. Like you, you can't just do a bunch of stand up and then be that kind of funny. Like that takes a lot of knowledge, a lot of years of execution. And it's like, if that's not something I am now, but I can do a lot of comedy, work on my story writing and get to a point where I could be at the caliber of some of the writers that were on Futurama, like I've got no problem with that being like a set goal in my life and working up to that. Spotify's statistics are pretty good. And they tell us that about 1% of the people who listen to The Create Unknown on Spotify are over 60 so here's a reference that's that's, that's really <laughs> tailored for that crowd. Um, talking about like having a higher level of knowledge and, and kind of a, reaching this point where the satire is is real. It's it's artistic at that point as opposed to just being a thing. Uh, Don Rickles was was a comedian famous for roasting back in the day. So the stuff that like the roasts that are on Comedy Central now and all that, like honestly, that originated with guys like Don Rickles many 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 years ago. Yep. Uh, and he, there's a great video of him roasting, uh, Ronald Reagan at the time of his, his presidency. It's on YouTube and he completely rips him and it's amazing. It's awesome. It's funny. Ronald Reagan is loving every minute of it. Uh, when the roasts go really well, the people who are being roasted adore it. Yep. It's, it's just a different level. And so hearing you talk about, uh, kind of raising the bar on this stuff and understanding it on a different level. Do you think that's why a lot of people are getting in trouble and getting, uh, I, I don't want to say kind of cancel threats, but they they get they get themselves into positions of controversy because they just haven't done it that well. You know, they're not at that level where you're saying Futurama is, where it's this recognized, really sharp art form. I think that's definitely part of it. Yeah, like. So if like, they were better, they could avoid some of it. Is that a, is that's probably the wrong way to put it, but is it not coming through better? But if they were to be able to display the fact that they have a true understanding or appreciation, right? Like okay. what makes it, what makes the difference between a joke that is racist and a joke that is about race. And typically if you see a black person making a joke about a black person, you're not going to assume that they are a racist because they're not coming from a place of ignorance. Right. They're definitely, you would assume, coming from a place of understanding 
perhaps a place of love, perhaps a place of I'm trying to point out this thing for the betterment of, you know, black people or to draw more attention to this behavior in an attempt to maybe remedy it rather than sit on the outside of this fence and try to ridicule it and belittle the people that partake in this arti- in this activity. And so, you know, when you see people like um, Louis C.K. or Bill Burr, who back in their heyday would be able to get away with very, very edgy jokes, it's because they weren't doing it from a stand at a distance, point and laugh sort of way. But instead, <laughs> yeah. you know, Bill Burr would make jokes about being um, from Philadelphia. And so he could relate to people in Philly and Louis C.K. would make jokes about poor parenting and then point out his own, you know, lacking skills as a father. Well, wait, wait. Mm-hmm. Bolt Burr is from Boston and was ripping Philadelphia, right? My, that, I'm pretty good at getting that, stuff wrong. So that's probably what it is. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think he's famously from Boston. And oh, yeah. the, the thing, the thing that put Canton. him on the map yeah. was there was a, there was a show in Philadelphia that the crowd was horrible. The crowds in Philly are notoriously, notoriously the worst. Hell the yeah. worst. The crowds in, for everything. For everything. Not for just football comedy, games, like, baseball games, hockey games. They threw batteries for at like, Santa Claus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They threw yeah. the snowballs at Santa like back in the 80s uh, when he was in the stands at an Eagles game. They just absolutely pelted him, obliterated him with snowballs. Yeah, so if anybody hasn't seen... And and Tom just put it in the chat. Bill Burr, the Philadelphia incident. And he's yep. kind of, from what I understand, like doesn't want to talk about this anymore. I don't know. I don't know if that he's embarrassed by it, but he's just doesn't like, I guess, the attention that it got. But he just ripped on everybody in the audience in the, the entire city of Philly for what, <laughs> 10 minutes straight. And it's amazing. He dropped his set too. Like it wasn't like they were booing him. And it was like he wasn't the first person on stage. The last few guys had gotten booed off despite trying to make an effort and get through their set of comedy that they prepared for these people at this show. And he was like, you know, what? I'm not going to try and half ass my set so that you guys can boo me. Fuck you guys. Fuck you and your weird city. And then just proceeded on for 10 <laughs> minutes. Yeah, <laughs> that was awesome. No, I, one thing that I, I thought of, though, when you were talking about um, the difference between something coming from a place of love and something coming from potentially not was I think that from what I understand, from what I've read about Chappelle and why he ended Chappelle's show was he noticed people kind of laughing at Chappelle's show in a way that made him extremely uncomfortable. Yep. He said in an interview that um, when poachers would look for water, they would put down some sort of treat to attract some sort of monkey, and they would riddle it with salt. And as the monkey, it could be a different animal. Chad will correct me. I know they will. As the monkey got progressively more thirsty, it would immediately rush off to wherever there was water because it's got a mouthful of salt. What else would you do? And the poachers would follow that monkey, and then they would find the water. And Dave Chappelle said in that interview that he thought he was one of the poachers doing something very smart and finding the water for himself. But as the show went on, he started to slowly feel like he was, in fact, the monkey dragging people into what he already sort of knew was good for him and instead bringing along all this unwanted attention that doesn't necessarily appreciate like the sort of gold mind of comedy that that he was so good at artistically portraying that is a weird this analogy got deep. i'm pro- i mean i think i've got the analogy right maybe he was talking about something else but he was either Even talking if you about just why made it he up didn't... on the spot that's a fair analogy if, he might not have been talking about the Chappelle show because he did have that whole incident where he didn't end up getting paid for that show and then went to Netflix. And he might have been talking about 
referring to his executive producers on that deal and instead was talking about the shows much, much later in life because the Chappelle show was so long ago now and he's got like more recent stuff. So he might have been talking about that. Well, yeah, what's going know. to make... I, uh, I just oh, remember... Sorry, sorry Matt. Matt. I just remember some story of him like in a bathroom or something seeing some guy... Was it in a bathroom? Gosh, this is going off the rails. But he was he was seeing some guy laugh at a joke at a part that he shouldn't have been laughing at on Chappelle's show. Oh, I think I know and what he you're was, talking about. And he yeah. was like, oh, this is bad. <laughs> like, this is not no. why I'm making this show. Like, this guy is laughing at the wrong thing. Um, yeah. And he's laughing at it for the wrong reasons. And yeah. I don't want to continue to do this if it's essentially creating a scenario in which people can be laughing at what's not supposed to be funny. Yeah, he. I think I know what you're talking about. And he was trying to tell a joke about something funny that somebody said. And the punchline of the joke was um, just him saying something goofy at the end. But the guy that started laughing just started laughing when Dave started doing an impression of the guy and just mm. talking like, you know, African-American youth in downtown Chicago or wherever the story took place. Mm -hmm. And he was kind of like, oh, he's just laughing at the fact that that dude was, you know, who he was rather than the goofy ass punchline at the end of the show. Right. Um, not at the joke. Yeah. He was just not laughing at the joke because yeah. he was a racist. They had, um, oh, what's his name? What's the, what's the dude who was on the Playboy covers for being able to drink a fuck ton of beer and now he's a comedian. He's what? got a, he's got a show with Bill Burr <laughs> on YouTube where he cooks and stuff. Does, does the chat know about this? person who yeah, drinks lots of beer comes up i am um, thinking of not ralphie may google come on he's alive no ralphie may's <laughs> he's, he's been out of the game for a few years now john favreau no way no 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 no, no. he's not bert kreischer bert kreischer thank god oh, i didn't describe god. him well. I, oh. I apologize oh he's the worst he's not great but he has a yeah. similar story where he was making a joke about black people, like just black people be like. And he felt like because it was from a place of understanding and it was one of his friends and the joke wasn't about him being black, but he did his friend's mannerisms while talking and stuff. Um, and the joke was about him being a single father that he was like, I'm, I think I feel like I'm telling this artistically and from a place of knowledge where the funny part is um, the thing that he says. And I think think and i don't even know if i want to say this but i want to say that he might say a word that he wouldn't otherwise quoting his friend and he always was that a gamer word it's a bit of a gamer are word, you yeah. are you dancing around a gamer word he says it in the joke much the same okay. way that louis ck does with no you know racial overtones to it just my buddy says this that was the funny part oh. of how he said it i'm gonna repeat it in this joke and he said that the reason that he stopped telling that joke wasn't that People were laughing at it. But just like you said, Kevin, it was at some point somebody walked up to him at the end of a show and he was like, man, that fucking joke that you got about that goddamn. And he was like, oh, you are not the type of person. Right. You are not laughing at what's funny in this joke. You're just laughing that I said that word. And now I'm realizing why this probably isn't worth the short 45 seconds in my 60 minute set. And so like he straight up doesn't tell that joke anymore because it gets laughs, but it legitimately gets laughs from the wrong type of people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is, this is something that's, it's a question to both of you because it's kind of a, a meta question. Okay. You only have so much control over how people receive a thing that you've made. Yep. You both have uh, a whole lot of videos on, on different platforms, a lot of hours of content in, even in this, uh, 
even, you know, in this podcast, we've got, you know, well over a hundred hours of talking about creative stuff at this point. Um, you can try to cultivate a certain type of people or a certain reaction or a certain inspiration, but ultimately you don't have full control over that. Where, where do you, where do the, where should the expectations end on how much you can do there? And is it a problem if five people, uh, laugh at the wrong thing? If it, like, if, if one person, uh, you know, takes something in a video and, and does evil with it, like, how, how do you process this? I don't know how much foresight you can expect out of a person when they're doing something creative that is open to interpretation, like by definition, right? But I think that the more broad that you make something, the more open you leave something for interpretation to a point. Um, the more you failed as an artist for that creative piece of work, right? If you read The Old Man in the Sea and you get the metaphors and comparisons between Christ and Christianity, cool, you've done a good job, right? If you read The Old Man in the Sea and, you know, you go, you know what? Maybe I should join the KKK. You didn't read the right book. <laughs> you read that backwards. You did not read what was on those pages, right? And that's not you interpreting it in a way, even if 30 people interpret it that way, it's no, you guys are stupid. Like the one sentence where he puts on a hoodie that happened to be white was not supposed to be, you know, you drawing these um, conclusions from that. But I feel like if if they make it very specific, when the old man looks down at his hands and he sees like, what is it that's supposed to refer to the injuries that Christ receives on the cross? He says something about him having scars on his palms. Right. They throw in a few very obvious you're not going to interpret this two separate ways sort of things. But if you're just, you know, if you write a two um, page poem about a blue cube and there's nothing more to it and you leave it open to all the interpretation in the world, then, yeah, like you're going to get some psychopaths that are going to interpret it in ways that are ridiculous. And I feel like that comes from bad writing. You write stuff purposely vague with no hidden meaning. And therefore, you don't have the foresight to be able to see how this could be interpreted. Whereas if just in your head, when you make it vague, you go, I'm leaving it vague so that people can sort of put two and two together and come up with this conclusion, possibly. So long as that exists in the back of your head, I feel like it's very easy for you to sort of leave in little details here and there of this is how this is supposed to be interpreted, more or less. What if the audience just didn't get it they didn't do anything bad with it but to use your old man in the sea example what if 95 percent of the people reading that book have an extremely simple understanding of it at the point where they're just like hey hey man cool book about a fish it is that <laughs> that obviously wouldn't be the level of reaction that you, that you wanted but would that disappoint you too i mean no right because if if the point of that so Again, I've only read The Old Man in the Sea once, and I, I had to be told the the sort of details that you're supposed to take away from it, right? Like, I was 14. I didn't know. Right? I don't know how to read between the lines at that point. I just sort of took my teacher's word for it, and I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I guess this is about Christianity. We're all in agreement, right? But I feel like the less people that get the nuance and the more people that appreciate it at the surface level, that I think is actually a really good thing. Because if you watch Parasite and you think it's a phenomenal movie— you think it's great. You think it's the best movie ever. And you never pick up the fact that it's about social struggles. Then you've made an incredible film, right? Because even if you don't get the second nature double meanings to everything that they're talking about and like an idiot who doesn't get anything about the fact that it's making fun of, you know, the the social wealth gaps in society, 
then you've made a great film because you can appreciate it whether you do or do not appreciate the the secondary meaning to it. But if 99% of people get that it's about social status and they appreciate it because of that, and only one dude who saw the movie is like, yo, it's fucking crazy when they took over that house, man. That dude smashing his head in. If that's only one guy, then you weren't subtle enough, right? I can think of a great example. I agree with you completely. I think that, yeah, the ultimate goal for any artist is to succeed on both levels. Succeed on the level of like surface level, people like it but also succeed on the level of somebody, you know, can, can get like a, a deeper meaning out of it. Hopefully, you know, you work on it hard enough to that there is one. It doesn't have to be. It depends on what you're creating, but it feels yeah, like you set the bar really high the way that we're describing it. But like you should strive for that. I think you should strive for that. Yeah, no, no, I agree. That would be the goal. That would be the goal of a creative endeavor. But I can think of one example where uh, that <laughs> People just enjoying something on a surface level uh, went horribly wrong. And that's Bruce Springsteen's Born in the USA. Ooh, which or Born yeah. Is, yeah. Uh, well, Born in the USA is a critique uh, of the yes. US and like its foreign policy and the government, whatever, just all sorts of things. But it is 99.999 repeating percent praised mm. and understood and used as a pro-American anthem. Yep. <laughs> yep. Right. Nobody yeah. uses that song for anything other than it being basically like the 1980s version of the Star Spangled Banner. Just <laughs> and it's like the complete, the intention is the opposite of that. And uh, <laughs> that must be so annoying for Bruce, you know, whatever. But for Bruce Springsteen, like hearing it played in that regard has got to be really frustrating. Be like, no, no. Yeah. That's not what this, <laughs> no, guys, please. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What this song is about. This is not a rah, rah, sis, kumba, like, like flag waving song. <laughs> yeah. That's a funny example. Uh, Richard Nixon floated the idea of having the guests who come to the White House and play American woman. Uh, number one, guess who are Canadian. Uh, Monahim in the chat should enjoy that when he listens to uh, the episode. He's a, a connoisseur of Canadian music to the nth degree. But yeah, the the lyrics in American Woman are very clear, <laughs> like denouncing, like denouncing the. I'm trying to think how to put it delicately. <laughs> the characteristics and uh, uh, attitudes and actions of women in the U.S. It absolutely shits on them. Yeah. Right. It's it's like um, it's it, like if they were around writing songs right now, it would be like incel anthems, like railing against thoughts. Uh, <laughs> it's very similar to that. But everybody's like just from the chorus, just like with Born or uh, Born in the USA. Uh, it's like, oh, oh, American woman, this is, a you know, this is an awesome chorus. Like, damn, that's a good pro-American song. No. And somebody had. uh Somebody had the good sense to to haul them aside and just be like, you know, th this this song isn't what you seem to think it is. The yeah. next line is "Stay away from me." <laughs> it's like American uh, women, it's like get away from me, <laughs> get away. Yeah. Like, like how? Yeah. How much like more saying clear it. do you have? It's to not be. subtle. There's no subtext. It's saying get away from me, stay away. <laughs> it's right there. Just listen. It's not hidden. There's no secret. It's not a subliminal message. Yeah, music's a hard <laughs> one, dude. Because. Your message might be in the refrain, but like if if the chorus is too catchy and it and it says the opposite, that's that's what your song's about now, dude. Um, 
Adam Ragusia. So Internet Historian was asking me the other day, he was like, does it bug you that so many people make vending machine jokes? For those who don't know, we had a we had a video exploring Japanese culture and I talked about how much I appreciated vending machines. I just think they're neat, dude. I'd love one in my room, but I quoted that there were something to the tune of like 50 to 70 vending machines per person in Japan, uh, which I have been told is false. I'm still looking into the numbers. It's actually like one vending machine per every 50 to 70 people. I had it backwards. It's a lot, though. And so that's a pretty high ratio. It's a stupid amount of vending machines. But I was way off because I flipped the numbers around. And so, you know, very frequently, every video I could say every tweet, people are like, Cement, how many vending machines are in Cyberpunk 2077 as I'm playing through Cyberpunk on my Twitch? (laughs) And doesn't bug me one bit, really doesn't. Because I saw this video by Adam Ragusea, um, which you guys know who Adam Ragusea is? He does the very cool cooking videos. Mm -mm. No, no. He, he does no. sort of. Um... <laughs> so, so I got to say real fast, we we do run a thing when we edit the uh, the episode. We we almost never take anything out because we don't have a reason to. We almost never have a reason to. But one thing we do run is uh, a, a little plug in that removes gaps um, uh, because sometimes. Oh, sure. You know, we're waiting like hey, there are a lot of reasons to have gaps in, in a podcast. But when that, <laughs> when that uh, runs through, the audience will not know just how long that dead <laughs> silence was when you asked us. <laughs> and then and then Kevin squeaks out a, a meek. No, 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 no. Don't sweat it. Don't sweat it. Let's so, see. 12 seconds. Is that about right? Yeah, probably. <laughs> so Adam Ragusia does cooking videos on YouTube. I was trying really hard to think of who Adam Ragusia is, and then I felt bad, and I don't want him to, to feel bad. That you might we don't know, know his who face because he he's but... had some big viral videos. I feel like even if you guys don't watch cooking stuff, you might have oh, seen I know Ragusea. His face. Yeah, yeah. So Adam, yeah, because Ragu- he looks like uh, like Louis Theroux kind he of. Do- <laughs> yeah, he does. He does. He yeah. does. So he typically does cooking videos, and he's a, sort of a mix between like Jay Kenji Alt and. Um, Alton Brown. He sort of looks at the food science okay. um, behind why we cook things a certain way, but then he dummies it down to like, this is how I do it at home. I don't do all this fancy French shit. I'm a dad. I've got kids. This is how I do it in 20 minutes. This is how I do pizza. And I get it crispy to my threshold as like a chef, but this is as lazy as I'm going to be while making this. Feel free to follow along and has found great success to that. He does a sort of out of character uh, or out of niche video on his channel where he takes a look at the cautionary tale of I'm going to Google it because I don't want to get his name wrong. Cautionary tale. He takes a look at the cautionary tale of Janie Lane. You guys know who Janie Lane is? No. Janie Janie Lane is the lead singer of a band that I will let you know in a second. Janie Lane and his band. Oh, wait, sorry. Go on. Don't don't ruin it for Kevin if he hasn't gotten it. So Janie Lane has an album deal. (laughs) to put out an album with his rock band. And he's got a bunch of credentials. Everybody's loving his music. He's got a lot of clout rolling behind him. Whatever he makes is going to be a hit. And yes. the day before his music, his uh, album's supposed to go into final recording, he gets a call from his music producer who's like, hey, Jamie, you've got a great album here, but what you don't have is like a catchy rock anthem. You know, all your stuff's very good. You know, people are going to love it but they're going to appreciate it as art. We need something that people can blast on their radios that you can open your concerts with. And in what is recorded as an hour flat, drunk in his hotel room on the back of a pizza box, he scribbles down the lyrics to a song that would later be known as Cherry Pie for his band Warren. Warrant. Warrant. 
warrant. Yes. Wow. And it cuts to an interview where they're like, so what do you think of cherry pie? And Janie's like, I fucking hate it. I hate it so much. <laughs> Every, it's one of the stupidest songs of all time. Every, it's, it's, not, so dumb. it's not. He wrote it in it's, an hour. It's, it's not. You're stupid. dumb. You're dumb. You're one no. of the stupidest YouTubers of all time. <laughs> okay. Okay. Have fun. Everyone who doesn't know Cherry Pie by Warrant watching that and seeing if I'm right or Matt is right. Yeah. You know what? I'm gonna quit <laughs> Why this are you podcast. typing your invoice chat? <laughs> I'm I'm because the, the opening they they scream dirty rotten filthy stinking and so as I'm ranting here I'm typing that for the people who they can't listen to the video right now because they're listening to us right so I, I I figure that I can just get the whole thing done as we talk about it's it. but Tom's posted the all of the lyrics that were on this pizza box but it's good it's a good wholesome song about love making in the American dream it slaps right. And it does slap. Oh, it slaps hard. I, I, I just want to say that there is there is a there's a very uh, bad manners thing that you do in League of Legends where if you're playing a game with a duo. So one other person that, you know, and you're in voice communications, you'll play with three other random people that the game will queue you up with. It's a very big bad manners thing where if your teammates doing bad, you'll type something in all chat for everybody to read. And everybody else doesn't know that you two are playing in a like your friends, like you're playing as a party. So they'll just think you're ragging on your friend, and then everybody will rag on your friend. And then the boys have to be like, "Why would you? Why would you not tell me that was a bad play?" Like to my ears, like why would you type it out and get everybody else to nag on me like this? And that's what it felt like when I saw you just typing while saying something else. <laughs> Oh. So anyway, I'm just I'm I'm thrilled that you would bring up Warren. Like it, it's so nice to have this come up and not have to be the one to bring it up. I think it's a like, I think it's a good tale. I've won the podcast lottery. Took 71, 72 episodes to get. Here. <laughs> Listen, baby, you want a delivery? Sumetto Media is here to bring it. Remember to tip. Oh man. <laughs> I used to troll my coworkers with that song at the club because it you that, you, that's, you cherry pie roll them. <laughs> yeah, it's like a Rick Roll kind of song to me. It's. Like, I mean, ha, it's ha, notable. How yeah. stupid is this song? No, no. <laughs> yeah, it's so. Do you, bad. do you understand how insensitive you're being to cultures right now? To certain to pies subcultures. There's no culture around that song. What? What yes, is there the culture? Is. It's well. So uh, I, I'll put it. I'll put it this way. There are t-shirts that uh, you can think. Would Joe Dirt wear this band's t-shirt? Yes or no? And why? He would absolutely wear a warrant t-shirt, and he would just <laughs> like do the devil horns in his. Uh, Oh, I forget which car he ended up with at the end of the movie. Really? But, you know, he'd spin out, shoot the dirt onto Kid Rock, and blast a song like Cherry Pie. That's a subculture in the United States. And if you don't respect that, Kevin, <laughs> then we have a problem going forward. No, I don't respect that. Uh, I respect that subculture, but I, I think of that as more like a like a 38 special, not not Warrant Cherry well, yeah. Pie. Well, so here's the thing. It's all, Janie, it's all kind of the same. Janie Lane agrees with Kevin, right? The tale goes on yes. to foretell that Janie Lane hates this song. He put no effort into yeah. it. He wrote it in a night. All the other music that he spent so much time on and what really gained him the notoriety up yeah. to that point has now been washed away by cherry pie buffet pie eating contests at every single one of right. his shows. That's the only thing they want to see him play. That's the only thing they want to see him do. That's the only sponsorships that this guy is getting is for cherry flavored Coca-Cola. So that they can use the song as they're well, advertising the thing. It's a curse. It's a curse. That's the ball. That's the way the ball bounces sometimes. It is. And Adam Ragusea's whole video about this is it, it, like the title is Watch Before You Blow Up on YouTube. 
And it's it's be prepared for how people are going to interpret your art and understand that once you've licked the seal on that envelope and sent it, it's up to whoever opens it to read it and interpret it as they want to. And that's how it's going to exist to them in their universe, right? You can't show up as an NPC and provide clarity on this particular quest. (sighs) There's probably a point to that. They'll figure it out in editing. Don't worry. Janie Lane's dad, by the way, died a while back. Put a bullet in his head. Yep. Yeah. No, no, no. That's not I'm stupid. Drank, Drank himself to death. No, I'm stupid. Drank himself to death. Yeah. He died fairly young, though, and uh, the the cherry pie pain stopped. Let's see, it was 2011, uh, which would <laughs> have made a, him what a way to what a way to memorialize him. <laughs> yeah, his his eulogy is the cherry pain pie has stopped. Jesus, well, Christ. <laughs> Jesus Christ! I saw red, by the way. It, that that's a, another great warrant song. But you know, I'll people get, it get in things post. wrong Thank all you, the time ben. too. <laughs> um. Yeah, I saw Red as a very nice ballad. And that reminds me, though, that what about if you do one thing that's just not at all like the other things you do? Since we're talking about this genre of music and in, in that era, uh, there's a song by Extreme called More Than Words. And this is a it, it's hard to even call it a power ballad because it never quite gets very powerful. It's it's a nice acoustic love song. Right. It's kind of love song. I mean, that's about a guy wanting the woman to show her love rather than just say it, wanted her to actually mean it. But anyway, it's it's completely unlike just about every other song that Extreme did. Right. Um, what happens What happens when uh, Saigon Kick had that with Love Is On The Way as well? Um, but when what happens when you make a piece of art and it's cool and you like it and it's similar to 0.5% of what you put out, and you really like the other 99.5%, but that's not what's popular. What do you do? You got to pick between clout and self-control. What would you do? What would you do if, I don't know, what's something that you hate? What's what's like a genre of things you hate? Oh, uh, I... Uh, Let the hate flow through you. Now, this is tough because I don't like to just like blatantly hate something without knowing it. And then once I like read into it, it's like I can always <laughs> sort of see the other side, but... What's something you don't like doing then? That's that's really my question. Oh, uh, running. Not a fan of running. My thighs scrape together. It's upsetting. Okay, <laughs> okay. you make uh, a, a jogging video and it gets 10 million views. Oh, I would hate you it. You jog in such a way that it's funny for everybody. I would hate it. And they love it. You can be a jogging guy the way Review Bra is a cheeseburger and a car guy. Right. This would be a fantastic career for you. Would you do it? No. I, and I feel like I've done a good You'd job no of that. straying away from what I know will be more popular, but isn't truly what I'd want to do. Yeah. I feel like that's that's the one piece of self-restraint I've got. I can't keep myself from eating all the cheesecake in my fridge, but I can <laughs> prevent myself from doing a video that I know is going to get more clicks, but it's like drama laden and just has a YouTuber's face content aware scaled as the thumbnail doesn't have any of my personality but it's just guys today i'm just gonna go over the facts of some drama that's been going on on twitter it would do numbers but i wouldn't want to do that for for the foreseeable future or even a second time you know i'm I'm like well aware of that pitfall i don't know what i would do if one of my videos exploded and it had nothing to do with the rest of the videos that i'd want to do but i feel like knowing that i very cautiously only done videos that are very true to me are laden with my personality so that even if they do go viral, at least there's a good understanding of like who I am and what I find funny. I hope. I want to interject and say that uh, Dan has thrown up onto Twitter a link to Cherry Pie. People can vote on whether it is stupid or whether it's culture. 
I'd like to point out that there's an early lead for culture of about two to one. How does that feel, Kevin? <laughs> does it feel I, like to get schlonged? I just played cherry pie at full volume into my eardrums. Jesus Christ, I didn't realize that that Link would just play the song immediately. I know Would what you I have know. the same... It's garbage. <laughs> I don't need Twitter people to tell me otherwise. <laughs> That's true. So, Kevin, would you have would you have the same kind of answer? Because uh, is it is it different when you're a bit older and you're thinking like, yeah, I'd do anything if it meant that I could uh, do it for five years and and not you know be able to retire. Kind like, of. is there a different attitude that kicks in? Yeah, I mean, I think at some point it's like. It's like, Janie, I get that you hate that song, but at the same time, just cash the check, bro. Yep. You know, yeah. like be happy that you had a banger at that least made to you the a next ton album. of money. You yeah. just can't yeah. catch lightning in a bottle twice anyway. I mean, every band has this, I think to some degree. I mean, you know, Nirvana, Kurt Cobain hated Smells Like Teen Spirit. Hell yeah. Smells Like Teen Spirit was not a song that he wrote wasted on a pizza box the night before because the record company told them that he needed a, a radio single like that was considered a great song because it was a great song but it got so popular that he hated how popular it was and they refused to play it live nirvana did not play smells like teen spirit live i don't know they might not have played it once after like 1991 they just he just refused to play it yeah because uh, it annoyed him so much that it was so popular so I think that to some degree, like whatever is your most popular thing, you you come to, I don't know, just be uh, sort of annoyed by for some reason. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, Kino was talking about Creep, uh, the Radiohead song. They hate that song. Mm -hmm. That was their first big, yep. big hit. I remember that the the story supposedly of, of that song was that the um, there are like palm mutes that they do that chukut chukut in that song and that was like the guitar player like trying to mess up the song because he hate they hated it so much i you know that could be just like mythology at this point but um no i'd believe it though that's part of the story of that song it was like they didn't like that song he was trying to screw it up so he was like adding like frustration palm mutes to it or whatever um but yeah i think that that, that whatever that curse is exists with Probably not just musicians, but probably any creator to some degree. And I don't know what's behind that. I mean, I'd be interested in both your thoughts on, as to like why that occurs, but it seems to be pretty prevalent. I, I think it comes from believing that being a one-hit wonder is the, the pinnacle of what you can accomplish. I think it gets, if, if you take a, if you believe the way that musicians do, where it's like you only get one big hit, you only get one thing and that's what you're known for. And you write six songs from the depths of your heart, speaking about the trauma from your childhood or the struggles of being an angsty teen. And then the thing that you get really popular for is just, you know, screaming Barracuda over and over again because your producer wanted a song <laughs> like that with a lot of repetition. Then it can suck to know that the one chance that you hypothetically had got blown on this thing that isn't super representative of you. And if you go believing that's like you're never going to have anything better than that, you're never going to have something that's going to be more representative and that's all you're ever going to be known for, then yeah, I'd, I'd be pretty upset too. It's like throwing your master ball at a Pikachu and then later learning what a master ball is. It's like, ah, oh, fuck, I only get one of those. But like in reality, <laughs> if you keep going, you will do more, right? It doesn't matter if it's 
you don't do another song that hits the number one charts for as long as that first one. But if you do six albums after that first song, eventually you might not be known for any other one song as much as Cherry Pie, but you might be known collectively as an artist as much more than that one song Cherry Pie, right? And choosing to just exit out of the program in whatever way you decide to, all that does is lock you into only ever being known for that one thing. Yeah, playing at at state fairs until you drop dead on stage. Yeah, Brendan Urie, there's a cruelty in you, Kevin Lieber. There's a cruelty, <laughs> but I don't think this audience has really had a chance to to see until this episode. Special episode, baby. Special guests. An absolute cruelty. I do want to say though, is because a couple. There's been a perfect uh, storm of topics here because uh, you bring up warrant in that era. Kevin brings up Smells Like Teen Spirit. Something really interesting happened here, and I've, I've mentioned this to Kevin in the past. Firehouse's Love of a Lifetime, and if, if you don't know that song, that is, uh, if you call Cherry Pie a cheesy, stupid song, Love of a Lifetime just has every hallmark of the pinnacle of uh, hair metal glam kind of rock, and it's a you know massive power ballad. It's awesome. right? Uh, that was number one. <laughs> And it was dethroned. This is in the summer of 91. This uh, It was dethroned by Smells Like Teen Spirit, which is like the opposite of, of hair metal. And that transition marked the transition between uh, like my people running the world and Kevin's people running the world. <laughs> it, that, that week on the Billboard charts, on, on Nielsen's mainstream rock charts, was just the transition of an era and and... We really haven't recovered. The doomers took over. To keep that going, I think yes. my era of that afterwards would be Panic at the Disco's I Write Sins, Not Tragedies. Because Brendan Uri, the lead singer of Panic at the Disco, he doesn't even sing that song when they're performing on stage anymore. There are YouTube compilations of him just going, I walk, and then just holding the microphone to the crowd. Yeah, there you go. It's sick of, yeah, that good fucking I finger see. on the trigger, Tom. Yeah. Good job. He's the fastest. He's the best. He literally, like, literally doesn't, oh, well, and then just sticks the microphone in the crowd. Whatever. You guys know the song. I don't give a fuck. I'm the lead singer. Is, is there a guitar in my hand? No, you guys know it. You don't want to hear me. You want to hear you. You want your cell phone footage of your voice in the background. That's all you want. It's kind of beautiful in a way because he's the embodiment of what happens if you stick through it. This is what's on the other side for you. I think, I'm, I, I'm, I'm I think heated, that's one of those I'm songs fatigued. where I don't recognize it by the title, but I'm sure I, if I heard oh, it, Oh, you'll I know, know it, it, but it's one of those yeah, songs you'll definitely know by the first four notes because it's also been memed to death. If I know it, you know it. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. That'd probably be our generation's well, one, right? Oh, sorry, gone. Oh, is that the transition? Is that the, the handoff? I mean, what else would it be? I mean, I would say maybe it's like Little Nas X is an excellent example of like just playing to your car, playing to your strengths, man. He had, He was like, oh, the song that's, Going super viral is this weird sort of cowboy beat that I wrote that doesn't have any real meaning. And even when Genius reached out to me for some behind the lyrics meanings, I gave them actual bullshit. What am I going to do? Cash the checks. Fucking Sony Music wants me to just dress up like a cowboy for any interview. I'm there, baby. Don't sweat it. I'll wear this he cowboy hat to my next fucking album and then all the way through that. And he did. And in a Google commercial <laughs> that's running right now. Yeah. That plays all the time. Yeah, man. Yeah. He doesn't care. Yeah. No, he had well, a lot of fun with that. Lil Nas X is pretty self-aware. I think he... <laughs> I think that whole generation is. Best, I mean, if yeah. you look at Lil Nas X, if you look at Megan Thee Stallion, Cardi B, Doja Cat, when their songs start popping off on TikTok, they're doing the dance. 
They're like, oh shit, this is where you guys want to throw my music around? You want it to be known for this little choreographed thing on TikTok? I understand that that's how music gets viral now, and I'm going to play to the strengths of how social media is going to leverage this tune. So I'm going to embody it. I'm not going to sit back and go, oh, look how stupid TikTok is. Nope, they're well aware. Every one of them has a number one hit now, and every number, every one of them has a choreographed dance to their song. Yeah, we were talking. Uh, I don't know if you saw this in the in the group chat uh, the other day. We uh, Sumero and I are in this one of the same group chats on on Twitter with some YouTubers, and and they were talking about uh, people being like music famous on TikTok that like they have their own audience. I forget who it was, but it was somebody huge on YouTube. It had to be Corpse. Where. Yeah, oh, that's what it was. Yeah, it was yeah I was like, they don't yeah. talk. Yeah, yeah, it's like they're distinct audiences here where some people don't even know what's going on on the other platform. Oh, hell yeah. I mean, they're, they're, TikTok's got this sort of beautiful, unique level of virality to their music where only eight seconds of your song has to be good. Only eight seconds. It's just got to have enough to wow. it. It's like riding a bull. That I can set. It's like a rodeo. Exactly. If I can set up a joke and deliver the punchline of that joke using a certain set of lyrics in your song and just catchy enough that as you're scrolling by, you hear it 19, 20 times to the point where you finally look it up on YouTube. That's all it takes. That's all it takes. And it's absolutely skyrockets the numbers. There were songs from so long ago. There were artists like uh, Will Smith's daughter has a song that has like half of its popularity from a TikTok trend. Like not a dance, like a trend, like, you know, where people stick text over it and throw in a relatable experience that they've got that gets 100,000 likes and it's got the song playing in the background. She doesn't have a full label. She doesn't have a full album alongside with it. But this one song that she made after Whip Your Hair from God knows how many years ago has way more notoriety than it should from what is effectively an indie launch of a song because TikTok just handled it from that point on. Wait. So have we we come full circle and reached an era in which having artistic integrity is garbage and the goal is to write cherry pie? <laughs> I can't disagree what, with you, is dude. Is that it? I can't. Is that where we're at? I don't want to agree with you, but I don't have the bullet points to disagree with you, Kevin. <laughs> when hasn't it when hasn't it been that way though? I mean, artistic integrity okay, so, in music so, doesn't spoiler, super translate into yeah, a catchy spoiler tune. Spoiler alert on this. I want to say this was, uh, I want to say this was 48. I wasn't around there. Um, oh, we're narrowing it down. He can't be but, 60. Uh, Throw up another poll. 40, we'll get closer well, I, this thinking, time. I'm thinking, you know, of, uh, this is kind of how political slogans have worked. Uh, and it, if you could nail something that was in one phrase, it was a tremendous asset to you. Yep. You know, that was, <sighs> that's kind of, <laughs> that's been the thing, you know, and I think back to uh, uh, the, the, almost meme quality of the phrase Tippecanoe and Tyler 2. So yeah, that would have been... Actually, that was a song. Yeah. Um, in 1840 for the election then. And all you needed was was a super memeable short thing that can get reprinted in every newspaper that can be uh, a bar that can be repeated. It's weirdly similar to what you just described with eight seconds on TikTok, but it was 180 years ago. Yeah. I mean, I think marketing in general has always been about um, being able to wrap your brand around just one solid thing uh, in terms of like a short phrase. And it's stupid and gimmicky, I think, because we're so familiar with it. We're so used to it to hear Bounty come up with, yeah, you guys know us. We're the quicker picker upper. And it's like, dude, shut up. Like what? Yeah. Only you say that. We don't say that. <laughs> I don't fucking tell my mom, mom, make sure you get the quicker picker upper because nobody does that. Nobody is saying that besides your commercials. <laughs> 
But then when you get something that's really <laughs> catchy and it's locked in your head and it's like, yeah, man, it is free real estate. Like I'm doing the advertising for you yeah. at that point. I'm just I'm just thinking of all the things you could say if you if you spoke only in marketable phrases. Oh, that was a memeable phrase. You could get through the entire that day. That was a whose line is it anyway uh, mini game. I forget what oh, it was. It was probably called slogans was, or something. But yeah, you could only talk in marketing catchphrases and they had to fucking play out an improv scene, but they could only do product placement slogans. <laughs> that was one of Demolition Man's, uh, you know, prognostications of the future was that there was no more music and it was just commercial jingles. So you turn on the radio. So, you know, Stallone turns on the radio in the future. Oh, that's grim. It's, it's, it's just commercial jingles. Have you not seen Demolition Man? I guess not. No. Oh, you should Nobody watch saw it. that movie. It sucked. <laughs> why, why are you guys so split it's on terrible. everything? This is such a weird thing to wrap your identity around. Yeah, I host that. This I, is I, why we weren't friends in high I school. I do this podcast with this like, guy. Like he, he's really into warrant. I'm not. <laughs> Wait, it it do works. You really not. You really think Demolition Man sucks? I don't think it's a great movie. No, I, I didn't I would, say it was I a great movie. It does not suck though. I mean, if you love Over the Top, how can you hate over Demolition the, yeah, Man? Over the Top is amazing. Those are the uh, same. When I say great, <laughs> like ballpark. No, they're they're playing the no. same game they're the in the same, same movie, arena. Matthew. <laughs> no, Demolition Man has things in it that aren't believable. Right. It's it's there's there's a lot of unrealistic things in Demolition Man. Everything in Over the Top is realistic for for the people who don't understand, who don't know Over the Top. It's a 1987, I think, movie. Sylvester Stallone. I've talked about it before. He has to win an arm. He's a trucker, a long haul trucker who has to win an arm wrestling competition to get custody of a son. Tell me what's unrealistic about that. Every sentence. Show, show me the goof. Show me the fiction. Every word. Show me show me the, the life that doesn't fit that. That's. In some way, you're living that life and you don't even know it. No, no. A, a future in which only Taco Bell is the, the remaining restaurant is more likely than a trucker ever having to win an arm wrestling contest to win custody of his child. Oh, <laughs> I don't have the numbers behind that. I don't even know where I stand on that one. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you really hate Demolition Man? Are you just saying that to be I don't like it, yeah. adversarial? No, no, no. I'm... I'm Truly, like when when I said great movie, great to me means if it's on TV and I'm like scrolling past movies, I would stop and watch it no matter what. Yeah, but is it you only know, great like, or sucks? It's just a binary choice. It can't be like a I, I wouldn't an watch okay it again. Movie. If, if I never saw this movie again, I would not care at that's, all. Well, yeah, but that's most movies. How many well, movies do you want to watch? I again? was going to say I I bump into this issue a lot when I'm talking about Rocky anime Four. that I rank because I have I have a I have a list of animes and you give them scores on this website. And I used to list really highly shows that I would watch repeatedly, but rewatchability is like totally different. Like there are, there are movies and TV shows that I would definitely put out a 10, but I'm not sitting through that experience again. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like that's a bad judge of movies specifically. Like some of them are just I so agree. good the first time you sort of experience the, the turn of events or the character development that when you go back and it's like you already know somebody's a bitch, it takes so much away from it. But like that, you know, it still makes it a good first experience. Yeah, there's different. There are different criteria here between rewatchability and something that's like a great movie or or show. You know, how did I how did I get criteria. into a podcast with two men who don't understand art or culture? I clicked a link on your. <laughs> that's tweet. my. I don't know that's how you got here. <laughs> Says the guy who will only well, listen to the same forty five songs. That's true. Yeah. 
Yeah. Wait, who are you talking about? No, I should I should release them. No, that's me. I, I probably listened to yeah, it's about forty five. That's songs awesome. I stopped <laughs> listening to music after two thousand eight. Yeah. What? It, nothing interests you, does it? It's not after is that is that it? Like there's just nothing new. That's two thousand eight. Like stupid. No, two thousand. Your, your Amish cutoff. Two thousand twelve. It's like I no I, new technology after this year. I unironically, aside from maybe less than 10, 15 songs a year, pretty much just listen to what I listened mm-hmm. to in high school. Yeah. It it might God be as like you. a God bless it you. It might be like a comfort complex, like the equivalent of like carrying around a uh, like a stuffed animal because it brings you it like soothes your anxiety because <laughs> it's something familiar. I think that might be what it is to me because I just some new music is like experimental and I get it so long as it's like lyrically heavy. Mm-hmm. But if it's like instrumentally experimental, like death grips or something like I'm, I just get lost, dude. Like I don't get it at all. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know what to say I, to either of you. Death grips is cool. Shut up. Just being stuck in the past and liking I'm it. I'm scrolling down. I'm scrolling down through. I actually have two playlists. It goes, 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 it And I think that's the one song yeah, I the know. The newest thing that I'm seeing here, the newest thing I'm seeing here is um, The Show Must Go On by Queen. Uh, <laughs> the newest? Oh my God. And I want to say that was, I want to say that was 92, but I might be wrong about that. 91, sorry. Yeah. Nah, dude. So, well, it's not a whole lot different from what you just told me. It's not. I mean, our age gap is probably. It, it makes it extremely similar. So if uh, you have these gap years and, and wind up to be my age, your 2008 is going to sound as nutty to these people as. No, it absolutely as, is. Uh, my 1991. You guys are like Ronald McDonald opening up your closet and just having the same clown outfit over and over again, like nine client, nine outfits of the same clown suit. And you're happy. And I literally wear the same clothes every day. I, I have the same <laughs> yeah. pairs of brown pants in rotation and like 32 white t-shirts. You know this. <laughs> no, you have a lot of t-shirts. I have a lot of t-shirts, but I, I very rarely wear them. Um, That's true. I only wear them when I'm when I'm dressing up to go somewhere, leave wait, the house. Wait, so what do you reserve new experiences for? What's new? In music or in t-shirts? In anything. Oh, so. I, huh. I think I have more plays on like meme lo-fi Europunk edits of already existing songs than I do in legitimate new music. Like that's cool. Like I'll take a look at like a lo-fi remix of that Jouet Hua Pao Beifeng shot, like that Chinese bald dude singing that song over a lo-fi distorted mix. And it's like, oh, this dude kind of did an okay job with this more than I will the new album. Like the last new album I listened to front to back was Kid Cudi's album that came out like last week. Like I didn't listen to Ariana Grande's new album. I didn't listen to Logic's last album. Like I'm not going to sit down for an hour and a half and just be like, because then you have to have like an opinion on it. When people ask you, have you listened to it? It's like, yeah, I did. It's like, oh, what's your opinion on it? It's like, oh, this is my opinion on it. It's like, oh, fuck you. We can't be friends anymore. And it's like, I, I just don't want to be in that realm of like, I have to know what new music is. I'd rather just like, if you come into my car and I'm playing something, we both know this. Like, There's a lot of new music though that's not <laughs> mainstream. It's not pop music. Like, I, I haven't listened yeah. to any of the stuff that you have mentioned, but I listen to lots and lots of new music that's not, you know, top 40. Yeah, I get exposed to a lot of it just because people go out of their way to, I, I typically do like a distorted musical intro to most of my videos now. I, because I feel like if you're going to have an intro and sort of like waste the audience's time with the same flashing images and your text or whatever, something's got to be different. So I always like to find something that's relatively new, something that's relatively remixed or relatively come back up in resurgency. 
And knowing that in the back of my head, it's like sometimes I will take the time out of my day to just shuffle play whatever YouTube music decides to throw in my face that week. Is that not a copyright claim problem? So not if it's so it's not going to be like a like a eight bit pixel version of the pursuit of happiness by Kid Cudi. Right. It's it's going to be it's going to be Bernie Sanders saying something Mimi that they threw over the, you know, wind temple theme. It's going to be something stupid like that. <laughs> okay. Like if if you keep it just stupid enough, and also you're as small of a channel as I am, you, you don't need to worry about copyright. <laughs> okay. I'm sure that won't be true forever. Well, we we wanted to ask you about some some topical things here before we get into questions. And by the way, chat, if you haven't popped your questions up, do that now so that the baby gang, the baby gang, the uh, the uh, mods, producers, etc can pin those for easy consumption. Uh, but before that, we have to talk about Twitch. Twitch, uh, Twitch went wild today, didn't they? Uh, words like incel, simp, virgin, things that I've been called, things that I'm sure all of us have been called. Yes, sir. Those are now banned from the Twitch platform. Um, is this really a big deal? Uh, I think it's Twitch doing their, um, their over-policing of bullying that even YouTube has sort of stepped in and and sort of gotten some flack for. So, you know, YouTube's done more subtle things like removing or thinking about removing the dislike button. And it's been like, you know, we get that you don't want stuff being like dislike bombed or what have you. But at a certain point, it's like you're suppressing helpful free speech along with just removing having any negative feedback whatsoever. I think with Twitch, it's just sort of been a big thing because that's like where those memes started, not incel or virgin obviously those <laughs> they've been around a little while, bit yeah. longer but simp specifically is just spam to death on twitch at the mention of a female um it could be you what do you mean at the mention like give an example of how light it has if to be if i was streaming twitch and i were to just take a moment out of my day to go oh shit my subscription's running out to pokimane and then i quickly pull up her twitch in my browser and i pay my 25 dollars to make sure that my monthly sub is recurring to her y you could probably call me a simp and that'd be fine cuz it's like oh dude you're making quite a fucking event out of sending your money to this girl to make sure that you keep those cute pictures sure. in your chat that's fine but it's like i've yeah. been spammed simp in my chat for like like i've picked up my phone call and been like oh my mom's calling me and it's just been like, simp, <laughs> this dude's a simp. <laughs> Simping for mom. Huh? Exactly. Just anything to do with inconveniencing yourself even a little bit at the, at the, for, for the, for the attention of a female. And it's very much a meme, right? Like I can understand it's annoying, but why is that a, a, a bannable offense? So like, uh, Tom, I think it's Tom, of course it's Tom has, has, uh, put the actual wording into the chat here. Um, and it says, among these changes, a ban on, quote, making derogatory statements about another person's perceived sexual practices or sexual morality. And that includes negative uh, words like whore. Well, I understand that one. Virgin. Uh, we will take action against the use of terms like simp, incel, or virgin specifically when they're being used to refer to another person's sexual practices. How do you decide if that's the use that seems really weird and murky to me yeah i don't have a clean cut why simp should or should not be in that category i have a few colloquial okay. things like i feel like if the word simp wasn't so interchangeably used with the word incel 
wasn't so interchangeably used with the word virgin. Because it has a completely different meaning, although it might overlap a bit, where it's like, it does make sense for you to not want to make fun of somebody who's involuntarily celibate or is a virgin out of their control. If they're making a big thing out of wanting to be able to sleep with somebody and they haven't, then it's seen as like a failure and like a lack of, you know, chadness for you to not have been able to do that um, in our culture. So it's like, I would get why you wouldn't want to make it a big thing for people to make fun of like a streamer playing a video game where every time they bump into a female NPC, it's like, ah, oh, dude, you'd never be able to talk to a girl like this in real life, though. Like that, that'd get fucking annoying. <laughs> but simping specifically, especially in the current connotation of the word, is like an overly passionate amount of attention given to a female. And or given to anybody in 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 like a worshiping sense, like like much more than would be expected to an unhealthy degree. To just buy your girlfriend flowers would be called simping, but like pseudo ironically. But to buy the girl who's validated your parking every day flowers because she smiled a little longer than usual, though has made clear that she has no interest in you, would be like the actual definition of simping, right? But I feel like because it just gets thrown away with, oh, you're respecting a woman? You're a simp. That's that's where Twitch is kind of like, <laughs> well, we can't just allow you to throw that around. We've got quite a few women on our platform, don't you know? And I don't think the fact that they have so many large female content creators that are having, regardless of who you are, anybody who supports them in any given way, this negative connotation of being called a simp, obviously that's not going to be healthy to their business or their ability to like be a safe harboring place for women and gaming right I why not just make a new word isn't it just a treadmill i've been trying just come up with another word so long to get paid and then ban that one to I be mean, normalized that's, that's my question pay pig? pig is great we should just go with pay yeah, pig. been around that's been around for a little while i like that uh yeah there was a, a guy oh i'd love to say his name i'd love to out this guy because he sucks <laughs> so hard <laughs> god damn it there there's some there's some kind of low end comedians who who I just I really well, hate. I'll probably know who you're and, talking uh, about. I know comedians pretty well. I think. Uh, I'll I'll tell you I'll tell you privately, but I cannot throw it out in this episode. But he had uh, a project and had uh, had a Patreon for it, and just didn't release anything for months and months. But then kind of abused the people who stuck around. Like he made fun of the people who stuck around supporting him. Well, like kind of ripping on them for still giving him money and he would call them pay pigs what what and it was now i see it like it was almost like the the financial dominatrix like the fin dom stuff they seem to enjoy uh they seem to enjoy getting ripped on for giving him money but that's when i i first really saw pay pig being used a lot yeah um i think it's been shut down since but yeah i was like oh this is a grimy word like this Simp is kind of goofy and funny and whatever, but pay pig, like n nobody feels good about being a pay pig. No, I mean, <laughs> pay pig is like one of those words that's actually used like in the fetish. Like that's what you would be. That might be what you request yeah. to be called by a financial dominatrix. Like that's that's in their vocabulary. Simp is very much like it was California Bay Area slang and meant exactly what it did until the Internet mm took over it and started using it outside of like rap battles to refer to the same thing. But if it's such a meme and it's so ubiquitous that you would get called a simp for answering the phone when your mom is calling, how does it have gravitas? How does it have weight? How How is it that offensive anymore that it needs to be banned? It, I, I don't understand. It infuriates me, dude. 
it infuriates me. You you put it as well as I could have put it, and I feel like like you can take so much power away from a word or a phrase or a stigma by making it a meme. You know what I mean? Like the tremendous normalization of being an otaku video game obsessed shut in or being somebody who's really into <laughs> furryism or even just being like something other than cisgendered or straight is so much more normalized just because between the people making fun of it ironically, the people making fun of it unironically is such a big thing on the internet that it's so much more normalized on the internet that it's become normalized in society. And now it's not as big of a deal to be gay or a gamer or really obsessed with Scott Pilgrim versus the world because it's just such a meme now that it's like almost socially acceptable because it's just been in everybody's mouths for so much longer than it would be otherwise. Well, and there's no is this, if uh, there's no simp identity group who is like banning together to fight for simp rights. We should do it. That's the other thing. I I, I don't. I, <laughs> simp rights. I mean, if that means we can keep like using simp the, activism. I'm down. Why is it a big deal then? To why are people freaking out about this? If if you're saying this is a memey thing, it's annoying. It it'll be replaced by something because we know it will be. Right. There will be another term coming down the pipe. Why why is Twitter going ballistic today about how this is like the death knell of Twitch? Nobody should stream on Twitch anymore. Stream on YouTube instead. Why is this a big deal? Like, I, I still don't understand, like, why that reaction is coming through here. I used to think it was stupid. Is this a tip of the iceberg thing? I used to think it was stupid. I used to think I used to just want to take a look at that stuff and just have the knee jerk gut reaction the visceral reaction of, yeah, it's stupid, fuck them. But that like that that reaction doesn't teach you anything, I have found. You really have to look at the other side of this and be like, all right, what is Twitch thinking? What are the people who want simp banned thinking? What are the people who are being called simp thinking? What are the people who want to keep simp as a word in our vocabulary thinking, right? And I think that it's very obvious for Twitch because they're stupid and they're old and they're not in touch with their platform. Because they want to just look at this and go, this is a negative word. It's being applied to some of the biggest content creators making money on our platform. Therefore, we should remove this inconvenient annoyance from their lives because we have the power to do so. What's that? Is DMCA destroying our platform? No, 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 no. Simp. We got to deal with simp. This is what we focus on right now. And so they want to do that. And I think that there isn't going to be a huge majority of people who are like, no, I want to be able to bully people with this word and have the same credibility <laughs> as a few people who were like, yeah, I was called a simp and it made me feel real bad. And then I stopped streaming like that's that's what's going to get the retweets. That's what's going to get screenshot and shared on twitch.blogspot. Right. That's going to be the thing that they use as a scapegoat. So, like, if you want to make change with these things and all you really have is the virality and the noise that you can make on Twitter, like you really annoying as it is, you really do got to treat it like it's the end of the world. Like you really got to make it like I will die on this hill for this freedom because that's the only way we've ever made a change to you know continue to have you know reaction content on youtube to keep having our dislike button to continue to be able to what was the thing twitter did the other day when they when they made it so only people who were added in a tweet could reply to the tweet like you really got to treat that oh, stuff right. like it's the end of the world called. and that you'll make a big fuss about it because at the end of the day it's out of your hands if twitch wants it off the platform it's off the platform we've seen that mm -hmm. And there's really no guaranteeing that uh, YouTube isn't following suit anytime now with with policing that that kind of language. Absolutely. I mean, 
to be fair, so long as Twitter continues to be the hellscape that it is, that's mostly where people are using it. You can always call me a simp at Sumetto Media on Twitter. That's probably not going to get banned anytime soon. But <laughs> the, I mean, like realistically, you're not going to get banned for typing the word simp into a Twitch chat either. But I would say that if you're a higher up at Twitch and somebody comes to you and goes, hey, we have to do something about this negative stigma towards subscribing to a female Twitch streamer, like that's the core of our business, right? You can't use the phrase tier three sub and have it have a derogatory nature to it when that's like a functioning aspect of how you use our website. Something's gone very wrong here. We need to remedy this. <laughs> yeah, that's a yeah, great they really point, are though. Pulling it from the site. Yeah. Can't they just say, oh, what, what if Simp just turns into tier three? Hey, you're a tier three. Oh, you're answering the phone from your mom, tier three. Yep. I mean, that's what it'll become. That's, that's what Twitch it, doesn't see. It, Twitch doesn't see that we're just going to find a word that's also going to be reflective of this movement that you've done and just be like, all right, we'll, like, we'll just start calling people Twitches, dude. Fucking simps, bro. That's the ultimate simp move right there. Remove the word simp so that you can keep simping without being called a simp. Absolute Twitch, dude. Oh. <laughs> they did stack the deck for the simps, didn't they? I mean, Twitch is historically... Oh, I can say historically. Because it's been numerous events where they have just made bad decision time. after bad decision, dude. So, I mean, even if this was uh, the DMCA stuff is they're coming. They're just coming off that about uh, what what happened there exactly with using music and streams. So effectively, uh, YouTube many years ago got hit by very big media companies um, saying that. You know, hey, you've always just allowed full on movies and TV show uploads and music on your platform, but you've gotten to a big enough point where it makes sense for us to sue you now. It, it is worth the amount of money we'd have to dump okay. into legal fees to get money out of you. You're worth enough money. And YouTube did the probably the smartest thing they could have. And they implemented a system that would block um, content that had a copyright holder. Uh, that would acknowledge it. So if you're a copyright holder, you have special tools on YouTube that will use algorithm scanning bots. And the second that they see your music, your footage, your image, what have you, excuse me, um, they can block it. And it's fantastic because if they block it, then it doesn't need to go legal. And rather than YouTube being sued for tremendous amounts of money or having to like, you know, salt of the earth firebomb content, they can instead block content in certain countries or remove the music altogether and pieces of what you have exist. And over time, that has evolved into a manageable system where if something gets DMCA blocked, it doesn't put a strike on my account immediately and I get terminated after three. Instead, it gives me a warning and I can re-upload my video and adhere to those rules. Or now we even have a button that will let us trim out the six seconds of, fine, I guess I can't use the intro to Seinfeld for this joke and, and give you that remedy. Twitch, however, has hit the same thing. They've gotten big enough or notorious enough, ha has enough notor notoriety that the music that has been played on their platform since the Justin TV days is now worth enough money or is worth the time and effort for big music companies to come in and try and get money out of them. And as a result, Twitch, for God knows what reason, because they have the same tools, is my understanding, went with the scorched earth policy. And they went, sorry, you guys have to remove anything that's got music in it. And unlike YouTube, where you can very easily take a look at your back catalog and edit stuff, remove stuff, private stuff is the main thing. Twitch does not have a system for you to private your previous streams, your previous broadcasts. So years and years of content that is hours and hours of, you know, it's live streams. It's not a 10 minute video that you can go, oh yeah, we used a song sure. here. It's the trip you took to the park 
right? Do you remember if somebody played music that was audible <laughs> enough that one day at the park three years ago that you kept because you did a cool somersault, but now you're wondering if they were playing music at the food stands? They don't. So Twitch streamers were left to just delete everything that they had altogether, which was doubled up by the fact that um, people are getting hit with DMCA strikes back to back. People are having their accounts terminated with a three strikes rule when they would receive all three strikes simultaneously, a la, you know, name a YouTuber that's been banned in the same way. And compounded even more so on top of that, where Twitch servers actually store your archives on other servers that are not available to you. Devin Nash on YouTube has pointed out that even if you delete all of your VODs, Twitch streamers after the fact have still received DMCA strikes because their streams were saved elsewhere, unaccessible to the streamer as a backup for Twitch, but they're receiving a DMCA strike through that. So on top of the fact that That's a bunch of people crazy. deleted a bunch of their VODs from God knows how many years of streaming, it might not have even mattered. You might have gotten striked anyway. So it's just been like bad move after bad move when the solution exists implement a private button so that we can do it at our own pace or use the already existing dmca bot like you have the power just ping which ones have music and will delete them but no either due to ignorance or inability to implement that dmca bot or like they don't even have official records of like music companies reaching out to them it's just been emails through twitch saying hey we got an email so you guys should do these things so ev everybody's just in the gray on this does this change your approach to, to anything? Because you are on YouTube, you are on Twitch, uh, you're on all of it. With, with this stuff happening, do you start to shift your effort or change anything? So shifting my effort. So if, if I was at a point where I was full time and both of the websites were a part of my income, right? Like if one went down, I, I wouldn't be able to last on the other. Yeah. The smart move to make would be, I mean, it's not hard. Don't play music. Right. That's not that I already do that on YouTube. Everybody already does that on yeah. YouTube. This is a exclusively I grew up on Twitch problem. The prospect of not playing music is foreign to a lot of people because you always have music playing in the background when you're queuing up for league or talking to your chat or what have you. But on YouTube, it's totally we've known this for years. You don't play music. You don't hum music. You don't use little bits of music for memes yeah. unless you know for a fact that that particular clip doesn't get claimed. And it's a case by case basis. I know I can use three seconds of how many shrimp do you have to eat? I know I can use three seconds of that. I know I can't use a single millisecond of sicko mode. Like you, you just learn that, right? Because you know what gets claimed and what doesn't. I think once the sort of heat and firestorm of figuring out whether or not, whether or not we need to delete all of our Twitch VODs, whether or not this is as serious as Twitch makes it seem, whether or not this is viable in the future. The, the play, if you started Twitch today, is just don't play music. Same rule as there always has been on YouTube. Not totally the end of the world. Kind of an issue when video games have music in it. I'm not sure what the play is there. But yeah, that's how you got to go, go moving forward. It wasn't Supreme always like future. that on YouTube. I'm old enough to remember when this same catastrophe occurred Yeah, on YouTube. And all of a sudden, you couldn't do that anymore. So I think it's funny to me that Twitch is so behind, though, because that was so long ago on YouTube. You'd think they would have, I don't know, figured it out that they would have to do the same thing, but... I guess not. It doesn't feel intentional anymore. The first couple times you can say maybe Twitch goofed, but at this point it's like, come on, like somebody's making decisions somewhere, right? You guys just haven't looked at how other giant social media platforms have handled this exact issue that you're bumping into. <laughs> you didn't learn anything from Facebook implementing DMCA robots. You didn't take a look at anything from YouTube giving you an ability to pre 
you know, screen your video before sending it to the masses? Like you didn't you didn't want to use any of that? Nope. It can't be a money issue. They're owned by Amazon. I'm pretty sure they have a couple of bucks in the bank. My they've got some they've got some chaos. My understanding from the bits and pieces I pick up from the sort of YouTube analysts and David uh Devin Nash and what have you is that Amazon has Twitch as like um so so the reason that YouTube works and is owned by Google is because Google doesn't care if they lose money on YouTube. They made that very clear from the decade that YouTube has not been profitable to them. They keep it because of the unimaginable amount of influence that YouTube harbors. If they decide that Shiba Inus are going to be the most popular dog in the world, all they got to do is flip a switch, make it so that Shiba Inu videos are the most popular thing, and you're going to see nothing but Shiba Inu videos everywhere. It will be the most popular dog. The sales will go through the roof. People might not even fucking notice. They might just be like, oh, shit, dude, Shiba Inus are in. I got to make a Shiba Inu video. You know, next Vsauce 2 video is the math behind Shiba Inus, right? Very quickly. It is, actually. How did you know Google that? No- oh, Jesus. Well, I'm a, I'm a patron. You give us previews, I think, maybe. Google knows that. They've dumped money into YouTube for a long, long time. And that's really the only way you can have something that just freely stores this God unbelievable amount of video files for free is because they're backing it. Amazon doesn't do the same thing. Amazon doesn't dump unheard of amounts of money into Twitch. To this point, it still feels like they're treating Twitch like an endeavor where it's like, we're going to implement Amazon Prime, Amazon Gaming. We're going to stretch into this. But like, if Amazon doesn't reach a point where Twitch is turning into sales for Amazon, right? Because Amazon doesn't run ads. Google runs ads. So YouTube is a natural extension of that. And so long as it gets big enough, they can run Google ads on YouTube and all of their finances make sense and they make money the way that they're built to. But Amazon doesn't make money on ads. They make money not even really on subscriptions, but they make their money on sales through Amazon, people buying Amazon Prime. And you can argue that having a Prime subscription gives you a free subscription to someone on Twitch. Maybe that convinces people to buy more stuff. But until they implement a system where it's like, you know, I can click on Kevin Lieber's Twitch and his keyboard, his mouse, the game he's playing, his monitors are all linked below him. And I can one click buy any of that stuff on Amazon until they implement that. And Twitch becomes a real feasible financial improvement to them. Like if they start hemorrhaging money the way that YouTube did for a decade, I don't think Amazon's going to keep them, dude. I think Amazon's got no problem selling them off or leaving or deciding, you know what, this isn't worth our endeavor because it's not going to turn into more Amazon sales the way that Google was pretty confident that it would turn into more AdSense. Hmm. Yeah. I guess that does make sense. And they don't, maybe they don't feel like they need the influence through Twitch. It's just not as valuable to them, I guess. If it was, makes me want to start streaming. If it was, I can't imagine why they wouldn't step in. Amazon has music streaming services. Why would they not give you the ability to pay an extra eight bucks a month as a streamer and then be able to stream their services? They already have a system where I can watch a video on Amazon. And if you're also an Amazon movie subscriber, you can watch with me on Twitch. It's a watch party, it's a thing. We can watch it together since we both paid for it. It wouldn't be all that difficult to do that with music as well. But I can only imagine that with all the resources in the world that Bezos has, that if you're not putting a feasible solution into this, maybe the wheels move much slower than I imagine. Or maybe Amazon just isn't as invested in Twitch as I would surfacely imagine. Yeah. Hmm. Um, we Do we have questions, Matt, before we wrap up from our... No, Sumeto is not sufficiently interesting. Oh to Sorry, man. warrant questions from it. the rabid audience. My bad, dude. We do have questions. We do have we do have some questions here. Um and they're pretty good. They're pretty good. I'm I'm just making sure we haven't covered the one that well, you know when when something starts like sorry if it's already been asked, you know, somebody's missed some some parts. Uh it can get a little dicey. 
We but did we're get okay a new here. patron who asked a question, so let's make sure that we hit that, that one. That's one of your people, Sumetto. Uh, Fleep. Fleep. You're a patron. Good job, yes. buddy. Thank you very much oh, for shit. becoming a Is top. he number 69? Oh, is he numbers? Yeah. Oh, yes. Bro. Yes. Actually, oh, yep. I wouldn't have it. I'm so <laughs> proud of this community. You won the gamer prize. You won the gamer <laughs> prize. God bless you. Uh, but but that's uh, Fleep's question is actually going to be the, the last one because it's very, very sure. good. Um, Kino Corner wants to know, when when is your date with him? Uh, t- what? You're in Florida, bro. You know, I've got a fear of alligators or crocodiles or whatever happens to harbor down there. <laughs> it's one of the two. Listen, if we meet halfway in like. So he's got to come. If to we you? meet halfway in like North Carolina, at like a barbecue place, I'm completely down. But I'm not coming to Florida. That place seems like one big circus to me. Well, I'm looking at the chat now to see how he's taking it. Uh, I got a frown face and okay. Says Charlotte, right. it is. So your compromise That's is fine. accepted. Charlotte's got great barbecue. I've got no issue. That's good. That's good. Uh, Dan Yoshua wants to know what you thought of Kid Cudi's new album. Since you did listen, you said you listened to it front to back, yeah? I did, yes. I thought, so I went into Kid Cudi's album the same way I went into Cyberpunk, where I was like, this, there's, I mean, okay. this man's music, like, defined my stoner teen years, right? So there's no way I'm going to listen to a new album in my mid-20s and appreciate it the way that I did back then. And Kid Cudi's such an enigma, because he's such a, he's such a real gamer, you know what I mean? Like he's a real creative person. Like he unironically plays video games. He's unironically been to street fighter events and played against some of the best just as a dude. You know, he's up there with Lupe Fiasco in that regard. Um, and his new album was, again, I don't listen to a ton of music, so I don't have a lot to compare it to. I liked it. I liked The Void. I liked the Scott Pilgrim versus The World excerpt that they took. Like, I, I feel like he's playing to his audience and he knows it. The middle of the album is sort of bland. I'm, I'm not a huge fan of like, vocals and very good instrumentals because i can't really appreciate them because i don't play anything but i mean it's it's solid music man i don't i don't it's it's probably not going to be like the number one album ever but it's a great comeback album like after what what is it eight years no music since man on the moon 2 like i'm i'm happy to hear it that's cool i didn't think about it as a comeback album but yeah it's been a while hasn't it i mean even though i don't listen to this music i still i still see uh and and read and hear people talking about things i guess i didn't realize that it had been eight years yeah huh well, let's talk about 2020. This is from Elevensies, who had to dip out a few minutes ago, uh, but we'll hear this in the audio. What do you think of the memes of 2020? Is this better or worse than previous years? Oh, it's awful, dude. It's awful. Really? Yeah, I would. I mean, like, unless we're talking about the memes making fun of 2020 compared to the memes making fun of 2019, in which case this year's memes have been great because this year has sucked. But if you asked me before 2020 and you went, Smet, if everybody was shut in, had to stay home and just like fuck around on Twitter all day, do you think the memes would get better or worse? I would empirically say, of course, they. why would they get worse? And yet I guess because memes <laughs> are so tied to like us expressing our experiences in the real world and our issues with, oh, I had an awkward time at Starbucks and now I'm going to, you know, sort of channel that energy into this funny picture of a frog. And it's like you can experience the pain of the person who made this meme by by witnessing it because that's just been removed because nobody's fucking doing anything. The, the quality of memes has just gotten awful, man. I mean, it's still not as bad as like, you know, Ugandan knuckles or them doing surgery on a grape. But I like the grape because it was so stupid that I found it funny that I mean, that's the that's <laughs> Ugandan knuckles. That's I didn't the find right funny. and maybe only way to enjoy that meme. Yeah. Yeah. It was so ridiculous and valueless that. 
you know, it's, it's like reaching absolute zero where if that <laughs> happens, you're like, oh, whoa, like that's a feat. This is the bottom of uh, the barrel. We yeah. hit it. <laughs> it's, it's the equivalent of like Bill Burr coming on stage and then just going, joke, joke, <laughs> for 40 minutes straight. <laughs> so it was grim. It was terrible. Speen, this is base weight, wants to know what the meme of the year is, though. And I'd like to know. Meme of the year. Something had to shine brightly in this dismal, dismal meme year. Of the year. Okay. So if I take a quick look at my channel and just browse between what I've uploaded in the last 12 months, what pops out to me? Uh, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Oh. And there could also be your personal favorite, even if it's not the best of the year. It might be the best for you. Yeah, uh, this is this is the funny or maybe not the funny thing. Maybe the totally expected thing is this has sort of been the year of me expanding a bit from just whatever the latest meme has been this week and instead just taking a, a deep dive into memes in general just because of how lacking the meme sphere has been. But VTubers has been solid. Cyberpunk 2020 has or 2077 like launch memes have been solid. Oh, it, it good, might yeah. be Femboy Hooters. It might be Femboy Hooters. You think that's the best? I think that's got to be the only thing that I felt the internet really rallied behind and drove into the fucking ground and then picked back up and then started to enjoy ironically. <laughs> it might be Femboy Hooters. And I don't know if that's a good answer. I think that's the right answer, though. I mean, cut, I stuff turning out to be a cake. There. That's fucking stupid. Joe Rogan isn't a gamer. That was fucking <laughs> yeah. stupid. OnlyFans memes wasn't bad. Oh, I did a video on the bottom tier memes that OnlyFans models use for no purpose other than to advertise that they have an OnlyFans. I don't have like a what great. What's the crux oh. of the femboy Hooters meme? I don't even remember that. I'm so lame. No, that that. What what, what was the joke? The, um, the joke was literally two lines, and it was imagine Hooters but goth, and it was like, yeah, why is goth <laughs> Hooters not a thing, dude? It's it's called bombshells, by the way. They have them on the West Coast, and it's like, no, 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 no. But what about Hooters <laughs> but femboys? And then the internet was just like, yeah, representation. Let's drive this meme into the fucking ground. And then it was like, what? Well, what about Goth IHOP? What about Tomboy Outback Steakhouse? <laughs> like just absurd, like ridiculous, <laughs> absurd ones, bro. What was the what? I had okay. I had an extravagant one that made absolutely no sense. It was it was like it was like chubby YouTuber Denny's with like my face on the neon sign. Like it was ridiculous, bro. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I do remember this now. Is twenty twenty one gonna be? What are your predictions? If you if you could buy stock in the upcoming 2021 futures meme market, uh, oh, do you I'd, do it? How much I'd do you put into it? it? All into offline TV, all of it. I don't know in what direction, but all of my money would be dumped into fucking Michael Reeves, Lily Pichu, Pokimane, and anybody else who steps foot in that house. There is no way we're going to stop talking about offline TV for a long time. Oh, you're probably right about that. Hopefully, hopefully it's it's. <laughs> Nothing tragic, especially for some of the people like Michael, who we like a lot around I'm, here. I was so excited That's to true. see him join offline TV. I, I, I felt like a proud father. I was like, good for him. I found this dude <laughs> when he was spraying fucking Mountain Dew into his eyes every time he fell asleep. And now he's out here making equally stupid robots with a higher production value. I love it. <laughs> well, this is our uh, oh, this is our second to last question. Um, this is from James. What is your favorite number? Uh, <laughs> James, I mean, is, is there a wrong answer to this? <laughs> <I know. laughs> if the, if there, I, I don't know. Like I was thinking about it as I was, I was thinking like how, what, what can you really do here? And, and I, I can't decide. 
Um, I think he wants me to say 69, but I feel like I I think James, knowing James, he's much, much next, like more next level than that. Like he's not going for the simple gamer joke here, but, but it also means I don't know what he is going for. (laughs) Okay. I mean, in my case, it'd be 13. That's, that's my lucky number. But I don't, okay. I don't know fair. if he wants like a meme answer, in which case I, I for the record, I would pick 69 over 420. Like if we're just going for lulls, I, I would always default to 69. Why would you do that? I just feel like it's got like, how do you make that decision? Between I the feel two? like 69 comes up more often. You know, maybe you collect 69 or something in a video game. Maybe you're picking up 69 grains of rice, but 420. I mean, outside of like on a scoreboard or something <laughs> like where are you bumping into that number? You know, walking around like I feel like. Mm. The, you get on a, ex- on a clock. That's fair. Tw- twice That's a where day. it comes from. That's a time. That's true. There's not a 69 o'clock. That's true. Yeah, but you're not going to hit 420 of anything. I, I'm trying to think of how the units would break down on yeah, that. Yeah, there was that. Uh, uh, and, and I, there's just nothing friendly, numerically friendly in its components. There's that one tribe somewhere that like they only count to 20, like 10 on your hands. Yeah. And it's like because they don't really have a need for anything more than that. It's like, oh, how many chickens do we have? How many more, you know, strokes of this paddle until it's on the other side of this riverbank? It's always something you can count on your hand. It's like they don't have hundreds in their vocabulary. Yeah, well, that makes sense. We have one in our vocabularies and one more, one more chat question. Sure. This is good. This is the one from uh, Fleep. Uh, So we've talked about cancellation with a bunch of people in the last few months. Just last week, we talked to Jay Schlatt about uh, the perpetual attempts to cancel him, unsuccessful so far. Um, yeah, it's it's come up quite a bit in, in 2020 here. So this is the question, though. Say Sumetto got a million subs and someone were to look back through all of your old messages and content, they found something that could be seen as offensive. How would you handle the backlash to that? And I love this question because you absolutely need an answer to it. <laughs> like your trajectory is is stellar. This is going to happen. What are you going to do? I think it comes down to whether or not I feel like it hurts people. If it doesn't hurt people, if it isn't inherently offensive or like dehumanizing to a large sect of people, I've, I feel like I've done a good enough job of not saying anything too out of pocket. I feel like I'm pretty confident in saying I double down. I'd, I'd pull a Michael Reeves. You yeah. double down. Like if somebody tries to cancel Michael Reeves for shitting just on sea it? turtles, I'd just be like, dude, fuck sea turtles, man. Hate sea turtles. <laughs> I'd, I'd go full Michael Reeves with it. Because if I said it then, I mean it now. It's like I don't take back anything I said about Cyberpunk 2077's expectations. If you're upset because it's not running well on your PS1, get a better system. Like that's it. I'm not, I'm not apologizing for that. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's a totally acceptable thing to say to a PC gamer. Hey, your hardware is not up to spec. Get something better. And yet when it comes to consoles, it's like, oh, you expect me to just have money for a PS5? It's only been eight years. Like, no, step your game up. (laughs) If you care about this video game enough to bitch about it online, play it properly. What are you fucking stupid? Imagine complaining. Imagine complaining that you hated the visuals on Avatar. And you're like, yeah, man, it just looked uh, like so much dog shit on my 480p projector at my grandma's. Like, you didn't experience it the right way. That's your fault. The, sorry, the, the it's only been eight years thing is very funny because <laughs> it's true. I, I have seen a lot of people uh, complaining about having to get a new console and it has been like nearly a decade uh, since the last one. It's like you couldn't scrounge together 
like 50 bucks a year. <laughs> it's ridiculous, man. Not, not, I mean, not even. Because I, I, it's a I dollar get a week. that. Like, it's, it's, it's an inherently console gamer problem that they have, right? Because if you've never played on a computer, rightfully so, you have never bought a game, gone home, and then your system couldn't run it. That's a completely foreign concept to you. Why would that ever happen yeah. in your head? If it's on the thing, it's on a disc, they made it. Why would it not play on my system? And yet that's just the way of life for PC gamers. We didn't get Grand Theft Auto V for yeah. six years. And when we did, it ran like dog shit. We had to wait another year mm -hmm. for those of us in the know to mod the thing to run properly before we could even get to play it. And at that point, it'd been released four times over at that point, you know? But it's just, you know, the sh <laughs> it's crazy to me that, yeah, people make an issue of this because ports to, to uh, PC from console, uh, that's a relatively new phenomenon. And I don't think a whole lot of younger people realize that. So like in 1989 or 90 or whatever, when, you know, like the uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game came out, it was awesome on NES. It was a, a banging thing, but you couldn't play it on your computer at home. The graphics didn't work that way. There was no way to to port to a PC then. And it was a long time before the computers and displays were such that they, you could have a faithful port. And when that started to happen, they were terrible. They were really oh, bad. Yeah. Like just the jankiest version. It's like, uh, you know, the, the meme where it's like, we have the perfectly good one at home and it's always <laughs> something that sucks yeah. hard. <laughs> That's what early PC ports of great console games were. Uh, and now, you know, now the, the switch has, has flipped a little bit and uh, <laughs> it's it's neat to see uh, different people experiencing pain. Yeah, I can only be so understanding after how many years I've had to deal with. Oh, but you don't have God of War. Oh, PC is better. How come you don't have God of War? Oh, you don't have Sly Cooper. You don't have all these exclusive console titles that only exist specifically made for my engineered lower quality hardware. One time, <laughs> one game, one game exists that doesn't run perfectly on your stupid consoles and now the world's on fire. <laughs> I, this is a rant that I needed to hear. No. I'm not even a this PC guy. I don't have a PC. I haven't had one in like, uh, I don't know, 20 years. But uh, it's, very, it's very funny to me. I yeah. love it. It's, it's very. It, I did the math. I think it's about thir 13 cents a day is what you would have had to save up yeah, come on, guys. Um, to 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 get the PS Five, I know that Jeff said if the, if it was in stock, I think that's really the big problem is people can't get yeah. people can't actually buy it. They yeah, want yeah. to. I mean, I know J Jake from Vsauce Three has been literally trying for a month. I think he finally is that got not, one. Oh, I was going to say, is that no. was that not just a meme for the video? Does he still not have a PS Five? No, <laughs> no, no. So he, I don't know if I should give this away. I don't know. Who cares? He was going to make a video with it, too. And then I think that Austin Evans was going to let him borrow. I don't know if he's still doing this. So the cat might be out of the bag on this. But that was part of it was uh, he couldn't even get one to talk about it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I will. You know, he has a gaming channel and he could just couldn't. Yeah, that's couldn't that's crazy. Didn't have one. <laughs> I, will I will throw in the understanding. Like, I'm not just being like blatantly elitist here. Like, I get that the bar is different, right? It's tough for you to release a game where anybody in the world can have any level of hardware on the PC platform and you have to sort of decide where do we aim. Do we aim really low and it'll run on basically everything but then it limits what we can do or do we aim really high and make it look and act the way that we want it to but then maybe less people could feasibly run it whereas 
that's not an acceptable frame of mind to have when developing a game for a console because you know the hardware everybody's going to have without exception there are no upgrades so for it to not run on that console is like well what were you even doing with game development what it doesn't run on the platform that that's what everybody's saying it's like this was supposed to be for the ps4 even the base ps4 and uh it's it doesn't work so what were you doing this whole time exactly and and okay i really like cyberpunk um so i'm not uh just crapping on it to crap on it but even the ps5 i'm playing it on ps5 but it's just a ps4 game on the ps5 it doesn't look next gen like demon souls which i also have and played looks amazing like that game was made and developed for the ps5 and you can tell it is incredible and there's no way that game would run on ps4 cyberpunk uh the models and stuff like the design is amazing but the graphic fidelity isn't next gen the way that Demon Souls is. It's like very noticeably not yeah, right now. It's and supposedly they're like releasing the next gen version of it. That's like an upgrade for next year. My point is, it's like you guys didn't make this game for any for any of the for anything. Who did you make the yeah. game for? It, it's not. It's not for PS five and and the new Xbox. It's not for PS four and the old Xbox. It just is. What's what's going on? It's so weird. It's so that, weird. It's such a weird situation. That's the great divider. Because if you were going to make Cyberpunk and it wasn't coming on PC, the game would have been developed completely differently. Because you wouldn't have included RTX lighting. You wouldn't have included these crazy HDR modes for gameplay that would only exist for the photos that you take. That stuff just wouldn't be feasible on that platform. But because it can run on a PC... And you have a rough idea of eight years down the road where PCs are going to be, what they can run. If you have the technology to development, to develop it, we're going to have the technology to play it, right? Then you can sort of do the two things. But then you look at this game that's supposed to exist 50 something years in the future and you're building it like it's on a new engine. Like, I don't think people like appreciate that. Like when you look at something like Demon's Souls, it's running on From's engine. It's a remake of the game. When 80% of the work has been done, you can focus your development on making things look beautiful in a way that will run on the hardware. But when you have to simultaneously also be able to go, hey, we need to have an inventory system for not just your ammo, but also your cyber mods, that needs to be included. We can't just take what we used to have. We're building what we used to have. And then on top of that, have a different team of guys that's like, yeah, yeah, we should have 30 shades for that cyber mod, right? And it's like, "Uh, for for PC, maybe. I I don't know if the Xbox... One S is going to be able to handle 30 shades, but fuck it. We got another press release. We'll come back to this. Like, it's a mess, dude. Right. Yeah. Yeah. When you put it that way, that definitely does make a lot of sense. And I was talking to to Jeff and the baby gang about this, and uh, we're both having a lot of fun. Trev is playing it as well. There, there are uh, a handful of us in the baby gang. I think Dojangles is as, uh, as well playing the game. And it, it's kind of this thing where it's like, I'm having a lot of fun with it. The potential is crazy. You just imagine it's a weird Dude, thing to think say of about the a mods. game. But, you, but you're like, man, like six months, a year from now, this is going to be think incredible. Think about how crazy fucking Skyrim looks with mods right now, dude. Yeah, yeah. And now insane. you have like a fully functioning world. Like what? Vehicles? Nah. I mean, I guess it, it might be sort of like a comforting tactic where we're looking at the mods in order to ignore the fact that the game doesn't run super smoothly now. But it's like... God, you do you remember in Grand Theft Auto 5 when you first saw the Iron Man mod? You first saw somebody in GTA 5 have the Iron Man suit fly up in the air, throw a pulse, and destroy a building? And you were like, this game's even fucking capable of this? 
<laughs> like, yeah. dude, that's that's what cyberpunk yeah. is now. Base game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, James is annoyed I didn't mention him. Okay, James is also playing the game and he's soliciting prostitutes and he <laughs> wants everybody to know. <laughs> um, oh my gosh, we are we are going long, but we could talk all day about this stuff. We got to get you out of here, man. Uh, we, I got one last question for you. you. It's a really, it's a really, it's a really simple sure. one. We like to ask our guests. It's just, what is your fursona? Uh, just uploaded it to chat. Oh, that's not going to work. Really? I've, no, I don't know. I don't know that extension. What's what's an extension dot yet? <laughs> that's the that's the furry extension. <laughs> <laughs> unironically oh, is the furry extension oh boy uh how do i do this <laughs> well our listeners are not in the chat you know our our listeners right now so i need your words to to hear to 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 paint a mental picture so i can't imagine that my fursona would realistically be anything other than some sort of big cat whether it be a tiger or a leopard or something but i feel like i'd be something with a mane i've got this long flowing black hair beard at this point and I don't think I could be like a cool wolf or anything with just like a chin mustache. I got to be like a lion or something. That works. And you you have a drawing in the chat of you as a lion. Where did that come from? I was from? playing through Persona 4 Golden, which is a gorgeous Japanese RPG that you should maybe take a swing at once you're done with the one that you're slowly playing through currently. Oh, I, I played it 10 years ago when it Bruh. came out. <laughs> so I only played the re-release Golden as it came out onto Steam and like 80 hours into the game and then watching a speed run of it. I was like, this game is fucking magical, dude. And I, I feel so bummed out for only experiencing games like this now where like the story is just so beautiful. I've always played like Counter-Strike and like competitive multiplayer games where it's like single player storylines were just, it was always sort of like baby stuff to me. It's like, oh, you can't afford an internet connection. You can't keep up with the FPSs. And I feel like an asshole now because these games are like <laughs> actually beautiful. But some. Yeah. Welcome to being a yeah. weeb. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm excited by that. But somebody, upon watching me play through Twitch, I've got a very, God knows why, a very, very talented audience base um, who decided that it was time. I must have mentioned being, somebody asked me what my persona would be. That has to be what it was. And I said, maybe like a leopard or something. And they drew me as a as a leopard with a, with a bit of attitude. And I, I mean, I can't hate it, dude. I see myself in it and I can't hate it. It's cool. It's good. It's it's oddly not ridiculous. Like it's 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 got a a comic charm to it. You yeah, know? I think I think me as a hyena might be appropriate. You know that that loud hysterical laughing that oh, they do. That's 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 me as an animal. I I could the first suit <laughs> might not be as cool because they're all one texture. But yeah, some some sort of large cat. I feel like I'd comfortably fit in there. I w I wouldn't be a turtle or anything or like a bird. That wouldn't work for me. <laughs> No, I think I think that works. Um, look, th this was awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. Check out Sumito Media, S-U-M-I-T-O Media, M-E-D-I-A, on YouTube. There's the there's the Spodcast. Uh, if you want to know more about memes, we have your hookup. This is the emperor of memes. So. You got to check them out. Thank, thanks, you know, thanks to all of our patrons for hanging out with us. Thanks for our new patron and thanks for our people who are just here to listen. Uh, we really appreciate that. We're doing this um, open to everyone now here on Discord every Wednesday night. But if you want to chat, if you want to send us questions, if you want to send us memes while we're recording, you do have to be a Patreon, uh, patron. So go to patreon.com slash the create unknown. Join the infantry, join the baby gang, become a $2 tot. 
start there. And then maybe all of a sudden you wake up and you're in the dumpster crew. It's, it's happened to the best of us. It'll change your life. It will. All right. That's it. Get back to, uh, get back to cyberpunk, <laughs> everyone. See you, Space Cowboys. Adios, guys. Thanks for listening to The Create Unknown. We'd like to extend a huge thank you and a congratulations to the listeners who made our Save the Babies Drive a success. Many new $2 tots and dumpster crew members, you have saved tiny little lives. A tremendous shout out to our elite baby gang. Trevsdead, Boromir, Bot Dogs, Chinchilla, Cat, Isaac, Conrad, James Gallagher, Jeff Davis, Patrick Pister, Baseweight, and our newest sweet little babies, Dojangles and the Catboy Latermint. And thank you to our grizzled, battle-hardened child infantry, Jen Mafasanti, Kevin with an E Menard, Mikhail Steinke, Risebread, Sean Malone, Triple Question Mark, Monahim, and the newest recruit, Private First Class Ryan Kinder. Thank you to our producer and editor Ben Webster and our social media manager Dan Yoshua. The Create Unknown is an unknown media production. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.